Strange times for sure. Sportsnet 960, the fan is here for you. No sports, no problem. Pinder and Steinberg continues right now on Sportsnet 960, the fan. That's right, big voice guy. No problems. Nothing to see here. Everything is fine. Totally, completely normal Friday in the world of sports. Welcome to Pinder and Steinberg, the Pinder and Steinberg list edition on Sportsnet 960, the fan. I'm Peter Klein. Uh, over there is Logan Gordon, and back at uh, Sportsnet 960's downtown studios is Riley Logo. But like I said, it's just a casual Friday. Not, no real news being made whatsoever. No, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. Just a regular day. We're waiting for sport. Oh, wait, no, not not quite. Oh boy, yeah, that's. Um... Quite the day so far uh, in the, the the sporting world, Riley. I'm guessing that the uh, the trending now updates that you've had scripted that that script has probably changed a few times throughout the day. Yeah, and it's definitely been the most um, easily writable trending since we've started doing them again. Usually, you're kind of scraping up two or three stories, but uh, four or five really jump right off the page at me today. So uh, that was an easy one. <laughs> Yeah, not uh, not going into uh, Bundesliga scores or, or anything like that today. It's all due respect to the Bundesliga. Uh, there's uh, there's a lot going on in the world of sports uh, and quite the timing because coming up uh, in about ten minutes or so, we will have Shaidavidi stopping by to chat. What's going on with the Toronto Blue Jays? That talk initially was going to be about boy these negotiations to get the season back. Uh, boy, those are a real grind, aren't they? That story has changed. Uh, if you didn't hear in Riley's update, there was a player with the Blue Jays who had some COVID-19 symptoms, so they have shut things down in Dunedin. This comes after some positive tests with the Philadelphia Phillies, shut down their facility about six miles away from Dunedin. The Tampa Bay Lightning had uh, five players, or three players and two coaches, get, um, get COVID-19 as well. This has been... A bit of a rough day, sports-wise, in terms of uh, co- also a member of the PGA. So, Logan, it's there are a lot of a lot of blows to the, the sports world today with uh, COVID nineteen, reminding us that hey, it's still here, still a thing. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, we, and we've talked about this too, especially regarding baseball. You know, the fact that they can't seem to manage. Uh, an agreement on return to play and pay scales. But as we talked about yesterday with, with Pat Steinberg and, and yourself, Peter was, you know, there's a whole other level to this COVID thing that starts with where are we going to play? Where is it safe to play? Are we hub cities? Are we traveling around like everything's normal, you know, and, and Florida, especially in the United States just seems to get worse and worse. And Oh, where is the NBA planning on playing? just happens to be in Florida when they return to play. And so I think as much as, you know, we're talking about return to play and we have these dates and that's all fine and good. COVID likes to remind us every now and then that these plans aren't set in stone. And as much as we'd like to come back and play, there's still a possibility out there that it just might not be the safest thing to do. Uh, There's some breaking news here, guys. Oh, Riley hit the splitter, my man. If you guys have heard it. Breaking news from Sportsnet 960, the fan. Um, We reported that uh, Austin Matthews has tested positive for COVID-19 today. Ooh. uh, That's more big Hmm. news on the COVID front that we were just getting into. Oh, yeah. I'm just seeing this now. Uh, Steve Simmons of 
a, a bunch of different places uh, reporting that Post Media exclusive. So we'll go with Post Media's Steve Simmons reporting that Austin Matthews has tested positive for COVID-19. And that would certainly be the uh, the highest profile name, I believe, uh, for a Canadian athlete or athletes on Canadian teams or in the NHL, I suppose. That, that would certainly be the, the big one. And we're going to get into this a lot throughout the show. I'm, I'm assuming this is going to be kind of the overarching story throughout the day. But you kind of knew there were going to be positive tests. You knew that was just going to be a thing. I, I, still, I still think you can do a, a hub city bubble sort of thing and everything will be fine. But you got to get to the hub city first. And, and this has been... Uh, it's just like, like I just said, it's been just one, one shot after another. I, I still think you can do this safely, but there, there's a lot that has to get done between now and opening up training camps in a bubble and then moving your bubble to a, a different bubble that there's still a lot that needs to be done. And, uh, a lot of that is just hoping these guys don't get sick between now and then. Yeah. And as we've, we've learned and I look, I mean, I understand that teams don't like releasing names and for the most part we haven't heard names attached to some of this stuff but it's going to happen sooner or later especially I mean the Dunedin one isn't overly surprising when you think about you know where things are but you know we don't know where Austin Matthews has been and we don't that you know all these players are okay with following all these quarantine rules because it's almost different state by state in the United States as to you know freedom of what you want to do until you're really back in that hub city environment. We can't really control what any of these players are going to do individually. You would hope that they're going to follow, you know, the rules of quarantine and all that sort of stuff. But in reality, from now until then, there's nothing really stopping the world and possibly being exposed to this sort of thing. Yeah, and it's it's just more and more each day are coming in. Uh, Nick Watney had to pull out of the uh, PGA event that is going on this weekend because uh, sorry the RBC Heritage prior to the second round after testing positive for COVID nineteen. There's still there's still a lot that um, still a lot that we have to to work through and. Florida is looking like a pretty dangerous place to, to have a hub city right now with uh, the NBA is going there. MLS is going there. I believe the WNBA's plan was to be there. We know the UFC had a few shows there early on. I don't believe that's part of the plan anymore. Uh, the WWE has their performance center there. That's where all of their shows are happening. They had someone test positive this week. So that there's still... Still a lot of hurdles to be cleared, and it's going to be, I think it's going to be tricky, and for for all the talk we've had about all the optimism surrounding a return to sports, this was not that day. This was another, uh, I think, pretty sobering reminder of the, the dangers of what's going on in the world still. Yeah, we're we're still living through it, no matter, you know, how good things might seem locally or you know wherever you are mm -hmm. it's a, a pretty you're right peter it's a pretty stark reminder that you know we can sit here and talk about sports and the possibility of returning for all these things but we're really not fully in control of whether that happens or not so welcome to Pinder and Steinberg. Very positive start here on your Friday on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Peter Klein, Logan Gordon, and Riley Pollock with you today. Uh, we have a lot to get to on the show. As I mentioned, Shadavidi's coming up uh, in a matter of moments. We also have Dylan Holloway joining the program around 2.30. We'll hear from Chris Snow. He chatted with the boys out in Toronto earlier today. And also, we have a 
boatload of Wild Rose to give away. Uh, we got a, a dozen Wild Rose plus a $50 gift card to the tap room. We're doing that five times today. So stay tuned throughout the entire show. We'll be um, asking you a few questions throughout the day, and we'll be giving away uh, a few packs of Wild Rose for you to enjoy for Father's Day. Uh, so definitely stay tuned for that throughout the afternoon as uh, Wild Rose has been a, a staple. I don't want to speak for everyone here, but for myself, uh, Wild Rose has been a, a staple of, of quarantine life and pre-quarantine life and likely post-quarantine life. Uh, but uh, 2020 has, has seen me purchase my fair share of Wild Rose, that's for sure. Yeah, I think... Uh... They're a staple around the station. They've always been doing stuff uh, with us. We've been, you know, part of the beer league and everything else. And they're always kind enough to drop off some delicious samples at the studio. And uh, now they have the tap room back up, and you can go get some delicious food over at uh, the Wild Rose Tap Room. Uh, pretty good way if you're uh, looking for a little add-on to make Father's Day a little. Well, I think we lost Logan. So uh, there, we are off to a, a fantastic start on the program today. So yes, we'll be uh, asking for your texts at 960-960 throughout the day. Very pleased to be joined by our MLB insider, uh, Shai Davidi, joining the program now. Shai, since I texted you yesterday to ask you to come on, uh, the, the lead story and the lead question for this interview has changed about six times. Uh, how, how are you today, sir? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been interesting, right? It's uh, just when you think uh, one issue is uh, is getting resolved, up pops uh, up coronavirus is here to tell you that don't forget about me. Right? Yeah, it's uh, coronavirus has kind of lingered in the background for a little bit, but they're they're putting the blitz on today for sure, um, and apparently potentially affecting the Toronto Blue Jays with Jeff Passan reporting that the Jays are are shutting down camp because a pitcher on the forty man roster uh, experiencing some COVID nineteen symptoms. That news coming down not too long ago. What, what's the the latest that we have on this? Yeah, that, I mean that is uh, the belief right now. The I think the Blue Jays are being particularly cautious. They're not 100% certain that uh, all the symptoms do match coronavirus, but because of what happened with the Phillies, there's uh, extra, uh, extra caution being taken here, and they're going to proceed with, uh, with other testing if that uh, shows itself to be necessary. So uh, I think to, you, know, you, you take another step back and you look at there was an outbreak with, uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning as well, and, you know, the Pirates in nearby Brightonton had a few issues, um, you know, and in general, uh, coronavirus is, is pretend, I mean, depending on, on your outlook, you know, increasing cases are increasing sharply, perhaps even out of control in Florida right now. You know, this is, uh, this is going to be an issue because, uh, you know, the, the NBA is planning to use, uh, you know, Lake Buena Vista outside of Orlando as its hub, one of its, its hub city. Um, you know, several baseball teams would be based there for either spring training or for potentially for a season in, case, in the case of the Blue Jays, uh, as well as the, the local Rays and Marlins. Uh, this is this is trouble. And uh, I think the, the it's easy to, to say, um, you know, we've got all the protocols in place. We're going to take care of everybody. If the people in the, the population around you is completely indifferent to the the health precautions that we all need to be taking right now, you know the 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 element of randomness and you know your chances of just having that wrong encounter are sky high, and I think that this is what that's showing us. 
how many players hung around in the the Dunedin area or down there right now? Like, were there a lot of Blue Jays in that spot as of right now? Anyway, I believe there it's in the area of about ten who are uh, using the facility regularly, or about twenty. Sorry, about twenty, ten of them on the forty man roster. A handful okay. have stayed in the area. A handful have returned. And, uh, you know, I think that everybody's starting to realize, hey, the season could be close. They want to get back. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. returned from the Dominican Republic. Uh, so there's a, there's a decent group that's there. Uh, but, you know, for the Blue Jays, this is particularly complicated because if Florida does turn into or re- continues to be the epicenter of the, of the outbreak, you know, the, that was going to be their backup plan if they can't play in Toronto. And, you know, the, they're, they're doing some work on that front. The, there's a, so a bit more optimism that they might be able to work, uh, work out something there. Uh, team president CEO Mark Shapiro this week was registered on the national uh, lob- lobbyist list um, because he's uh, been trying to work with health officials and, uh, and immigration officials on finding a way to make baseball possible in Toronto. Uh, but, you know, if that's not possible and Florida becomes uh, an issue, you know, now you've lost your backup plan. Uh, and that that's a big, big issue. Yeah, that, that was going to be my next question. You you had the story last night about the Jays planning for either Toronto or Dunedin. Uh, is, is there a, a third choice? Because Canada might not be an option and Florida is one of the last places on the planet I would want to be right now. Right. Well, I mean, they've done... Right now, all their work is on those two locations, right? They, they upgraded the lighting at the stadium so that it'll be major league quality so they can get, uh, you know, they can do night games there. You know, that, that's not a step you take if you're planning to go somewhere else. Uh, you know, I don't think, you know, Buffalo has been raised as a possibility. It's where the Blue Jays AAA club is, but the Bisons aren't positioned and don't have, not, nothing's being done at Salem Field right now to prepare it. Uh, and, and there's been no sort of even rough planning of, of how you might make that work there. So, you know, that that's an issue. And there, there really isn't uh, another alternative that they've invested a lot of time in. And, you know, I think, you know, Major League Baseball had sought potential or at least discussed the potential of neutral sites all along because they knew that that might be possible, might be needed for other teams. Uh, and this may be something that the Blue Jays may have to suddenly shift to uh, if Florida doesn't get things out of control in the near future. We know there are a number of hurdles for Major League Baseball and the Players Association to clear before the the season gets back up and running. But th- this was this was a lot of news all at once today re- regarding the the health and safety of the players. How much of a factor do you think this, and it's it's weird to be talking about it because people are getting sick and this is a serious issue, but from a return to baseball plan, how much of an effect does something like today have? You know, it's funny. It's, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I was, and I'd mentioned this to a few people in recent days that as much as the players keep pushing for more games, longer schedule, uh, be, to, to give the season validity and all those things. There, there's been a part of me that all along has said, you know what, just get a short number, get it done, get it in, and you know, regroup for 2021 when hopefully there's a vaccine or a reliable antiviral. You know, the, this has been, uh, you know, we all took for granted that the virus was going to go away and that this was going to be possible, or at least the virus would be at bay until the second wave comes with the winter. And you know, as much as, you know, we've said that, 
you know, parts of the United States, they've never even gotten rid of the first wave, right? You know, Florida mm-hmm. has been on team hoax for a lot of this. You know, uh, people are going to restaurants. And, you know, I, I know I've been talking to people who are in Florida, and they're just appalled that, like, everywhere is always busy. It's like there's no no masks, no sign of precaution. And, look, that's, that's anecdotal as opposed to, uh, you know, analytical. But, you know, that, that certainly would jive with the infection numbers that you're seeing. So uh, I, I think that's been – that's been really an, an underthought of and underconsidered part of this. And, you know, this is a, a bit of a reckoning on that front. Chatting with Shadavidi, our MLB insider with Sportsnet here on Pinder and Steinberg. I'm Peter Klein. He's Logan Gordon. Uh, Shai, I'm just curious if you know of or if there's been any talks from the MLB with its teams about an overarching plan for any sort of hub city or plan that would reduce travel for teams uh, should they come to terms for a, a full return to play this season? I know they're talking, you know, about a pretty shortened season as it is. Do you know if they've they've had those discussions with teams where the MLB might kind of take control of, of where you're going to play and, and you know, try to reduce travel? Any plans like that that you're aware of? Well, the initial concept that was floated was uh, for three hub cities. And this is ironic, is that, you know, that they were going to have one hub in Florida, one hub in Texas, one hub in Arizona, and all three states are, are <laughs> increasing right now. So, like, three months ago, you'd be like, okay, yeah, it makes sense. You play there. It's a little bit safer. And right now you're like, hey, get me to New York. Get me to Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's, uh, it goes to show that, you know, if you're not – if you don't, if you as a population don't have the proper measures in place, I mean, your plan ultimately doesn't matter, right? Because yeah. you cannot completely isolate. Like even if even the NBA's plan in their bubble, you know, there's still going to be people coming in and out who are going to be delivering supplies and uh, doing work and just working at the hotels and working at the stadiums. Like you cannot hermetically seal everybody. So you need a respect for the for the virus within your population and they're just in parts of the united states there just isn't one i mean it's been from their leadership on down all along uh they wanted to bury their heads in the sand and say this isn't our problem this isn't real we're not letting this get in the way of us making money and everybody else is crushing their curves in the united states they're not and you know that's an issue like you look at where where games are being played Japan, they've they've wrestled their numbers down. Like Korea, I mean, they've been super efficient on theirs. Same with Taiwan, uh, and they they all they're all playing baseball. Germany got things under control. They're playing soccer there now. Like this, you know, the the environment that it, there's one degree. It's like yes, there's the environment that you as a sports league create, but ultimately, if you're an environment an environment where people just don't care or aren't being careful and aren't being cautious. I mean, you just don't have a chance ultimately. I'm I'm curious on a on a probably a bigger picture than today's news, you know, painted. If we're able to see the the players' union and the MLB come to terms on what a season would look like and and how much the players would actually get paid, how confident are you that they could actually work out the details in a civilized manner between the two? Because we've seen especially in the NBA, 
even, you know, the hub and the bubbles and all that sort of things, who can come in and who can come out testing, all that sort of stuff, is still another contentious issue. So if they get over one hurdle of, you know, the basics of return to play, do you have any confidence they'll be able to figure the rest of the stuff out? Because it's clearly going to be a big issue here. Sure. I mean, I think there'll be, they'll definitely be back and forth on that, but ultimately, uh, you know, to a certain degree, you know, this is, it's on, it's up to the health officials too, right? Like mm-hmm. you've got to get this approved and you've got to get the government to, to support you and to allow these things to happen. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's a problem, but I, I think once you cross that hurdle, uh, I don't, I don't, once you cross the financial hurdle, the economic hurdle, uh, I don't think that this is what's going to submarine a season. And last one from from me, Shy. The uh, the Blue Jays got uh, some actual baseball work done, uh, signing a couple of their draft picks, their second rounder pick C.J. Van Eyck and third rounder Trent Palmer on overslot deals. They still have their first rounder Austin Martin to get signed, and fourth rounder Nick Frasso. Uh, obviously, the Jays probably pretty happy that that Martin fell to them. But uh, it's always interesting when Scott Boris is the agent of a player you're trying to negotiate with. Uh, any worry or trepidation going into this contract deal with, with Martin and Boris? I mean, I wouldn't think so. You know, the Blue Jays would have known what the expectation was for Martin to sign before they picked him. And, you know, he doesn't have that many options. Like, you went fifth overall in the draft. Like, are you really going to go re-enter the draft, go back to school, re-enter the draft the next year, take chances that you suffer an injury or something along the lines and hurt your stock with the aims of maybe squeezing out, you know, another 500K or something like that? I just The upside is relatively limited. So uh, the Blue Jays have created some room in their bonus pool. Uh, they still can create a bit more with Frasso, depending on how that goes. So I think ultimately they'll get there. They just have to he, – he, he just needs to be the last one to, to see how much money is remaining. And, you know, at that point, it's a decision. You know, you're taking, you know, uh, in excess of, you know, six to, six to six and a half, something around those lines, a million dollars. Uh, are you going to walk – are you really going to walk away from that in the hopes of getting seven? So uh, I think ultimately uh, it, it this gets done and – you know, even even with Scott Boris driving the bus, it's just there's just no upside to not signing for him. A couple more with Shadavidi, our MLB insider. Um, earlier this week, which seems like about a month ago now, the the Players Association and owners exchanged offers. Uh, a couple weeks ago, when we had you on, you expressed optimism that these guys would eventually get things figured out. Uh, does that optimism remain? Sure. I mean. I know that there's still more saber rattling, still more brinkmanship taking place, and it's as distasteful as it is at this point. You know, they're they're so close that nobody's blowing up the season because of that. Now, does COVID nineteen change that? I mean, that would be fascinating, but uh, it would certainly bolster the the owners' argument towards a shorter season as opposed to uh, as opposed to a longer one. But you know, the the fundamental change occurred this week when you know rob manfred and tony clark met in arizona and essentially major league baseball said okay we're going to come off this percentage of 
money owed structure that we're trying to, that we're trying to push, and we're going to accept prorated pay. And once that happened, they were on the same street. And now it's just a tug of war on the numbers, uh, and that's a lot more simple to resolve than what they were in before. One of the things that w- was brought up with this whole thing was that, okay, look, we get we're, we're, there's going to be a loss of revenue, so ads on the jerseys. And that gets a, a certain reaction from a certain subset of people saying that you can't mess with the sanctity of the jersey. Although, having watched the Blue Jays all my life, I think they've probably done that with a few of their choices anyway. Uh, but what do you make of, of uh, advertisements on jerseys? Yeah, so you're, you're not on uh, Angry Angry Bird uh, black jersey uh, that team. You're not not a supporter of that shirt. Uh, uh, not so much. Yeah. No, the the great was the worst. Yeah, that was uh, the the Angry T, and uh, I mean there, there are some bad ones for sure. Yeah. Um, like you know, I I know people get riled up about it. It's not going to impact my enjoyment of the game or really impact me in any sort of meaningful way. I don't think that the players ultimately really matter to them. And I think that after a couple of weeks, everybody will get used to it and won't be a thing anymore. But, you know, I think at this point, fans should just be saying, Hey, whatever gets you money, that's not coming directly out of my pocketbook uh, and gets guys back on the field. I'm good with this. So uh, I just, I can't see uh, for, at least for me personally, um, it does nothing for me one way or the other. Uh, But if it helps move the needle in CBA talks, uh, all the better. Uh, Shy, awesome stuff, man. I know you're very busy with everything that's going on. Uh, so, so thanks for taking some time today, and just hope to God you got games to write about soon. Yeah, I think uh, we're we've, we're all done with uh, non-baseball stories for a while, but uh, you know, I think that once we're done writing about labor, we'll probably end up writing about coronavirus a lot. So, fingers crossed that uh, everybody's healthy first, and we can get uh, back to sports second. Yeah, I mean, after today, I'll, I'll, I'll take some labor disputes for another week after uh, what we had to deal with today. Uh, Shai, awesome stuff, man. Thanks again. Be well, guys. You too. There is Shai Davidi, our MLB insider, uh, chatting about the Toronto Blue Jays with a player having COVID-19 symptoms, so things getting shut down for the Blue Jays in Dunedin. Uh, Time for us to take a break here on the show. Still a lot to get to on the program today. We have Dylan Holloway in a matter of moments, but I mentioned it before we got shy on. Today, we are giving away just loads and loads of Wild Rose. Uh, We got $50 gift cards to the tap room. We got packs of Wild Rose uh, for you to have as well. We're going to be doing this all throughout the show today. First giveaway is right now. What we need you to do, text your first and last name with your uh, your email address. Don't give us the phone number. We can see that. It's fine. Uh, but first and last name and your email address to 960-960. And give us a father-son combination that played for the Calgary Flames. Answer that question correctly. And if I decide to pick your name, you will be the winner of our first Father's Day giveaway uh, with Wild Rose Brewery. Time for us to take a break. When we come back, Dylan Holloway is entering one of the more important summers of his life. And it's going to be one of the weirder ones. We will chat with the NHL draft prospect next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Two guys in different spots staying at home, but still talking on the radio. It's a miracle. Pinder and Steinberg is only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. 
Welcome back, everyone. Uh, to answer the trivia question off the uh, the end of the last segment, congratulations to Mike for being the, the one with the quick trigger uh, answering the Ramage family. Uh, one with a bit more success than the other, but still, uh, Mike will be in touch and you'll be able to get your Wild Rose prize pack uh, with, uh, again, pack of Wild Rose, $50 gift card to the tap room. Very pleased to be joined by our next guest, uh, this is quite the summer for him, and obviously a bit of a different circumstance than, than most players who have been in his position before. Uh, we welcome Dylan Holloway to the program. Dylan, how are you today? I'm doing good. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for coming on. We, we really appreciate it. Uh, like I said, kind of an important summer for you, just that whole NHL draft thing that's going on. Uh, but with, with things shut down everywhere and, and stuff like that, how are you uh, How are you keeping in shape and staying ready for the, the draft season and the draft process? Yeah, well, it's been different for sure. But uh, I don't know. I've been able to work out at my gym. It's opened up here recently. So I've been able to work out quite a bit and uh, just looking forward to the draft. So, yeah. Nice. Now, uh, you were invited to the uh, the virtual national junior team uh, summer development camp coming up next month. Uh, first of all, I, I've never been invited to one. Uh, do you know what all goes into a virtual national junior team development camp? Um, I've, I've heard details. I know it's going to be obviously a little different, but uh, I think it's just a lot of like getting to know like the, like, the guys on the call and uh, the coaching staff, that kind of thing. So uh, I'm not really too sure what it's going to be all about, but I'm looking forward to it. Now, with training and trying to, to stay in shape and all of these, are, are you working with anyone, or is it just doing what you've normally been doing? Um, yeah, I actually have a trainer here in Calgary. He works out of the Edge School. Uh, it's a pretty good program, and he, uh, I know it's pretty hockey-specific related training, so it's been pretty good so far. With, with the, the draft process for a number of other players, there's obviously meetings that are involved and a few different events throughout the summer that players and general managers can kind of get acclimated so general managers know the, the type of human beings that they're, they're getting. Uh, is that just with Zoom calls this time, or did you have any phone calls set up with, with NHL teams? How's, how's that process working? Yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of phone calls, but also a lot of Zoom calls. So I've had, I've had quite a few like face-to-face Zoom calls with a bunch of, bunch of teams, so... I know, it's, it's, been, it's been good. It's obviously a little different. Like, I was looking forward to the Combine and talking to teams at the Combine, but uh, these Zoom calls are doing pretty good, so. Nice. Um, with the, the Combine not happening, is there going to be something, like, do you have to do a virtual, like, pro day type thing, or are they just going to trust what they saw on the ice? Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure. I don't think we're going to have to do, like, any, like, virtual training or, like, show off like that or anything. I think uh, they're just going to have to, like, take away from what we showed on the ice, so. Okay, so you don't have to work any illusions with cameras or anything like that? <laughs> no, no, nothing like that. <laughs> uh, chatting with Dylan Holloway here on Pinder and Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Logan? Uh, Dylan, you're uh, from a hockey family. Your uh, dad was drafted by the Canucks uh, a little while ago now, but uh, what's it been like being uh, the son of a hockey guy and your brother playing as well? What's it like having hockey be a big part of the family? Yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, yeah, like you said, my dad knows hockey really well. So he's been able to help me out throughout my whole life, like give me little tips and stuff. So him and my mom have been my number one supporters for a long time. And, yeah, my brother played hockey too. So growing up, hockey was kind of like the biggest thing going on in our lives. And uh, I'm just really, really fortunate to be able to have like, two parents who have been supporting me like, this far. So, 
Now, your dad got into two NHL games with the Canucks back in the 80s. When you hit game three in the NHL, do you have full bragging rights in the household, or are you going to kind of give it to dad that you got more NHL games in them now? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I guess that moment will have to come before I have to think about it, so I don't know. Uh, I'm curious. Is it is it hard to to stay away from the uh, the mock drafts online and uh, checking your your rankings on different scouting services when you're you're this far out from the draft? Do you try to stay away from that stuff, or is it something that uh, you're kind of interested in seeing? Um, yeah, it's it's kind of I don't know, like right now. There's nothing I can really do about like any of the rankings, so I don't kind of just like like stay away from it. I know I know there's a lot of lists out there, a lot of lists are, like showing different things, so. And I think, like, right now, it's a little bit of a distraction, so I just try to keep away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you're coming from the University of Wisconsin. What was uh, NCAA hockey like for you? What was the, the thought process in, in going to uh, to NCAA hockey instead of a, a junior program? Yeah, well, like, nothing against WHL. I know WHL is a really good league, but uh, when I went and toured Wisconsin when I was younger, I know I just kind of felt like the right decision. I was really happy with the coaching staff and the facilities down there. Like the whole campus itself, like was a, I don't know, seemed really fun. So uh, I was mm-hmm. really excited to go down there. And then this year was really good too. Uh, yeah, like it was one of the most fun years of hockey we ever played. Like really good level of hockey. And I got to play with a bunch of good players too. So uh, yeah, I definitely, really, I'm really happy with my decision to go to Wisconsin. Give us a little bit of a, a self scout on. On Dylan Holloway, what can fans and coaches expect from you? What do you think that you uh, excel at and bring to the to the ice when you're out there? Um, I think a big strength of mine is my skating. Uh, I like to play the game fast, but I also like to play the game physical too. So I'm not not afraid to throw on the body. I like that. I like that. And I got I got one more for you about the draft. Now we saw the NFL draft. They had to do it over TV cameras, and we saw some pretty cool setups. Some players getting drafted. If you guys have to do a virtual draft, have you guys thought about what your setup's going to be like at home? Are you going to get a bunch of friends there? Are you going to be in a robe? What are you going to do? Are you going to go for the suit and tie look? Have you thought about any of this stuff yet? Uh, no, I haven't thought about it too much, but I don't know if I'll be in a robe, but uh, I don't probably just a casual look. I'll definitely have some friends and family over, so I think it, I think it should be a good time. Pete, anything uh, else for Dylan, man? Yeah, I got a couple more here for uh, Dylan Holloway, NHL draft prospect. Uh, in your first season with Wisconsin, there, there's a few players on this team who have been through the draft process. And as we discussed before, not necessarily the same type of draft process as you did. But um, do do guys like Cole Caulfield and, and Alex Turcott give you any advice on how to handle this process leading up to the draft? Yeah, well, actually, I, I, I was uh, rooming with Turks this year. So he was my roommate. So I got to know him really well. And, uh, yeah, he helped me out throughout the whole year. Like, he just gave me... Uh, like a little tips and stuff and like stuff to worry about like you always tell me like don't worry about like, the rankings and, and whatnot because like, no matter what I do like it doesn't like matter what anybody else thinks it just matters about, like how I play on the ice so uh yeah they definitely gave me a lot of tips and stuff like obviously they went through it last year so they know what it's all about so now uh, a lot of people around here will be familiar with your name obviously coming uh coming up in uh Bragg Creek and then uh with the Okotoks Oilers for parts of three seasons. What what did you learn from y- your time with the Okotoks Oilers? Yeah, well I think I grew a lot like as a person and a player. I know coming in I was kind of a like a skinnier kid and then I came out and I felt almost kind of like a man I guess, but I know I learned a lot like playing in Okotoks is great. I really like the coaching staff there and the whole organization was really good to me so uh, they gave me a lot of opportunity. I'm grateful for that. 
and it was yeah it was a really really good two years of my life now with um the the last season in okotoks 40 goals 48 assists is there is there a point where it's like oh i got this now like i i i something's clicked here for me um yeah well i don't know it was, it was a good year last year uh i know i had a lot of support though i put two really good line mates so uh they helped me out quite a bit uh but yeah it was a good year i felt felt pretty good on the ice and i was just excited for the next step which is playing at the university of wisconsin uh, now, now, Dylan. Again, we don't know when the draft uh, is going to be, but what do the next uh, next few weeks and months look like for you? Um, well, I'm actually supposed to go down to Wisconsin within like the next month or two, I think. So uh, I'm still waiting, waiting on that. But I don't know if not, I'm staying at home. I'll just be training, uh, hanging out with family, and uh, yeah, just kind of hanging out with friends and family. So I'll just spending time up here before I have to go back down to Wisconsin. Well, there's certainly a lot of support for you um, up here in Calgary, as I'm sure you're well aware. Anytime we talk with anyone draft, uh, they ask us to ask about you. So there's a lot of people very excited to hear your name called in whatever fashion or whatever robe you are wearing uh, coming up on draft day. Uh, thanks for doing this today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Anytime, man. Uh, there's Dylan Holloway, formerly of the Okotoks Oilers, currently with the uh, Wisconsin Badgers and uh, future NHL draft pick joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, Logo, this is a, a player that a lot of people around these parts are pretty excited about. Yeah, and rightfully so, a guy that's worked his way up through Okotoks, like you mentioned, into Wisconsin and, you know, a center ice position, which is always coveted, and he's had success at, at pretty much every level, and always nice to to have the Calgary connection for us and uh, talk about that moving forward. So, you know, right now you, you look in probably mid-first rain, first round is kind of where you see things for, for Dylan right now, but those things always change, and, you know, who knows if someone covets him a little bit more than others, but it's going to be interesting to see and uh, follow, and hopefully we'll be able to, to keep up with him as uh, the process goes along. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Riley, as someone who pays close attention to, to all things junior hockey, um, have like Logan said, having someone local kid lighted up in the local area with Okotoks and now doing his thing in Wisconsin, it's a it's a pretty cool journey to follow. Yeah, and I got to call a couple of his games when he was uh, crushing the Canucks during his junior <laughs> career. So uh, it's pretty it's pretty cool to have someone with ho- such a high skill base in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. I mean, we look at Kale McCarr, who went through Brooks, and he was so much better than everyone else on the ice. It wasn't even close. And the same can be said about Dylan. So, uh, yeah, it's the AJ has pumped out some uh, pretty quality talent recently. Bernard Docker is another one of them. It's... Uh, yep. It seems like things are really improving in the AJHL ranks when kids are looking to go to the NCAA instead of playing in the dub. Yeah, Maddie Rose and I have been lucky enough to do uh, AJHL showcase uh, the last few years, and we've seen Dylan Holloway a couple times. And you could see in that eighteen nineteen season, it was oh yeah, this one this one's different. You, you can you can kind of tell. And I remember when I was doing AJ play by play. Ooh, over a decade ago. Boy, that hurt to say. Um, but th- there was a time where it's like, kid would stand out, but it's like, okay, he's standing out now, but what what level are we really going to see? But I feel like the level of the AJ has risen, and when you're standing out at the AJHL now, there's a pretty good chance we're going to see your name at some point in the NHL draft, I would say. Yeah, you're really you're becoming that next level, and 
you know, sometimes it's hard to evaluate prospects at certain levels. And, you know, even if they're excelling, can they do it at the next level? But clearly the AJ's certainly gotten that reputation now that if you're able to succeed at that level, not only are you, you know, likely to bring it forward to a college level if that's how you go, or, you know, if you take the route of uh, a Kale McCarr or something like that, uh, a few years out, you could be looking at your self making an impact in the a in the nhl excuse me and that's a a pretty hard thing to do but a, a pretty nice feather in the cap of everybody in the ajhl and how they've developed players over the last few years time for us to take a break here on pinder and steinberg as we roll along if you missed any of the interview it'll be up uh, sports as soon as Tomiyama figures out how much he lost betting on the first day of Japanese baseball. Uh, time for us to take a break. When we come back, not a good news day in the world of sports. Uh, we, we got a lot all at once, uh, so we'll, we'll kind of break it down and revisit the should this be actually happening conversation. On the other side here, I'm Pinder and Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Calgary guys staying at home. Ryan Pinder and Pat Steinberg talking sports, pop culture, life, and anything else. Your afternoon diversion is right here. Stream online at sportsnet.ca slash 960. Download the Sportsnet or Radio Player Canada apps. Pinder and Steinberg are on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I mean, today they're not, but their show is. Welcome back to Pinder and Steinberg, Sands Pinder or Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Peter Klein, Logan Gordon, and Riley Pollock with you. If you're just joining us, I mean, A, shame on you uh, for missing out on a couple of good interviews we had. First with me, and then with Dylan Holloway up on sportsnet.ca slash 960. Uh, Shy's up there now. Dylan will be momentarily. Both of them joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. We still have a lot to get to. Coming up a little bit later on in the show, we'll be doing our first and second team NHL All-Star teams for the season, a.k.a. the I promise I'm not going out of my way to try to piss Oilers fans off. I promise I'm not. That's I still what you say them. now. <laughs> Someone even got mad at me yesterday. What do you mean Ethan Bear is overvalued? It's like, I'm not getting into an Ethan Bear debate. I, I just, I couldn't be bothered. Um, but uh, so that's coming up a little bit later on. So that should be fun. But we also, throughout the day, have a Wild Rose Father's Day giveaway. A dozen Wild Rose. That's a pack of them. Also, a $50 gift card to the tap room could be yours if you answer one of our various trivia questions throughout the day. Mike correctly naming uh, the Ramages as a father-son duo making their way to the Calgary Flames. That was question number one. Logo, hit him with question number two. I'm going to go with a, a very easy one if you would like to win one of these 12 packs of Wild Rose delicious beer and 50 bucks to the tap room. First and last name on the text. What's your favorite father-son activity? That's all Ooh. it's going to be. You pick a father-son activity, give it to us on the text line. First and last name on the text. And uh, we'll see if we have some good father-son activities with Father's Day coming up this weekend. Clyde, we're not we're not fathers. Nope. nope. Thank but God we might for that. be one day. <laughs> yeah, Riley that's... might be a dad. We're not sure. Right. Yeah, there's I the, just there's a couple trips to Cuba that, uh, you know... <laughs> I thought you were going to say um, Saskatch- uh, Saskatoon. The Saskatoon's the Cuba of Saskatchewan. I think everyone knows that. Really? 
Wow. That's the only place in Saskatchewan worth visiting. That's, that's right. true. I said. Yeah, that's Come true. at me, Regina. 100%. I'm from um, Regina, and Saskatoon's the only place worth visiting. Right? Like, the only... Anyway, we don't have to get into Saskatchewan right now. Uh, by the way, I mean, it won't guarantee you a win, but if someone were to say, oh, my favorite father-son activity, listening to Pinder and Steiberg on Sportsnet 960, a fan. Like, it ain't gonna hurt your chances, I'm just saying. Um, but today... Not a good day, I would say, sports news-wise. I would say overall, we've had quite a few positive days in a row. Today would not be one of them. To recap, the Philadelphia Phillies had to shut down their spring training facility because of a number of positive COVID-19 tests. Same thing goes for the Tampa Bay Lightning, as Phase 2 has not treated them well. A Blue Jays player had COVID-19 symptoms, so Blue Jays training camp, um, or Dunedin anyway, they're not officially in training camp in baseball yet, but that has been shut down, and we could see a ramping up of the tests. And this has certainly brought out the debate today, gentlemen. Should we still be trying this? I'm of the opinion that if you do this thing, like the, the bubble situation in the NHL and the NBA, I think you can still do it, and you can still do it safely. Baseball, I'm getting concerned about because there's going to be some traveling going on. But I, I still think you can do the bubble thing safely. But we are getting very much into is it worth the territory? Yeah. And look, it's it's the underlying question of all of this that we, you know, haven't really been able to ask ourselves, you know, because we're, you know, we I think we're playing this whole thing with a glass half full outlook, right? When we talk about NHL training camps uh, coming in, you know, July 10th, where, you know, look, all of this stuff in Florida, especially, hasn't been good really since this whole thing really ramped up in, in North America. And the NBA still chose Florida to be one of, to be their hub city for the return to playoffs and their little regular season. Right, we've been we've been at this point for a while here, and you could kind of, you know, if you really wanted to look at it from a negative light, you could sit there and go, "Wow, I, I really wouldn't have chose Florida if I were you guys. I would have, you know, waited this out a bit more and and picked somewhere probably a little bit better." But you're right, Peter, and I think now, especially as we talk about, you know, Austin Matthews is a guy that, uh, according to to Steve Simmons and the Toronto Sun, going through COVID nineteen himself now, and and all of this that uh, we're still really not fully in control of this situation, no matter how much we think and how much these teams try to control everything, we're still, you know, kind of at the mercy of whatever happens with the the cases and uh, especially in, in hot spots like Florida. Yeah, and it's just, I do feel a little, for lack of a better term, feel a little yucky that the main reason I think a lot of this is coming back is for financial gains. And I understand with what we know about this disease compared to what we knew about it back on March 11th when everything was shut down, is there a realistic chance that one of these finely tuned athletes is going to have severe complications from this probably not like realistically probably not but a we don't know the long-term damages that that comes with COVID-19 and also there are some players in the NHL I'm sure in the NBA as well who have some underlying health issues that I think severely complicate matters and, and I just I understand it look we work for a sports radio station if all of a sudden this gets out of hand and all of a sudden everything gets shut down, there's a very real chance I ain't working for a while. 
I and I fully mm-hmm. understand that. We all we all want sports to come back. Uh, in, in some instances, we would need sports to come back. But I, I just that there is a real moral dilemma when you're talking about putting these guys at risk just so that we can fill out a few billion dollar contracts and things of that nature. Like, I just, I don't know where that line is. And it's it's been really tricky to, to walk over the last little bit. Well, I mean, clearly we haven't reached the line yet because if it wasn't, you know, if we had reached that line, don't you think the NBA would have found somewhere else to do this by now? Like, I mean, Florida was, what, over 3,000 new cases in a day uh, just the other day, they keep getting worse and worse. And, you know, you look at the NHL's approach to this. Yes, we've heard Vegas uh, as, a, as a hub city, but that hasn't been officially announced. They've kept their options open. And I think a big part of that's had to do with health protocols, seeing where the, the spike is. And then they're going to, you know, make plans to go to as many places as possible because, like we, we've said here, putting all your chips into one spot, clearly not the best plan because I don't know if you're the NBA, you have enough problems with guys thinking whether or not this is socially acceptable now. You know, now you're going into a place that's really not doing well with this COVID-19 thing, and that's your only plan that we know of. And, and look, I, I get, like, once you get into the bubble, I think it'll be fine. But also, as Shai said, you're going to have people delivering supplies. Like, are, are they just going to have eight tons of food hanging out in Disneyland waiting for these guys, these professional working out athletes, to just scarf down on, on a day-in, day-out basis? There's probably going to be at least somewhat of a delivery going in through there. I'm guessing mm. some form of equipment, something might have to go at some point. Like, there are just... You can't keep it 100% locked down. And I just, I do, I get concerned uh, about this whole situation. Uh, a couple texts, 960-960, uh, someone saying they should have the season on Fight Island. There you go. Just move the baseball season to, to Abu Dhabi. Um, but I, I do think that there should be some consideration for maybe, let's move everything up north for a little bit. And I'm not just saying that, go Canadian economy or anything like that, but you could do the whole NHL thing in Toronto and Edmonton or Edmonton and Vancouver or Winnipeg and wherever. The NBA, I'm sure the I'm sure you could figure something out uh, NBA wise. It'd be tough to do the NBA and the NHL both in Toronto. That that logistically would be an absolute disaster and a nightmare for sure. But like I I, I think you have to seriously look at what's going on in the States and get very concerned about what's happening. Yeah, there's there's really no way you know, about changing that. And you go back to the shy interview and, you know, they are planning on three hub cities in Florida, Texas, and Arizona. Well, I mean, that's like, that, that almost sounds like a joke, right? Like you, right. you're kidding me. Those are the three places that you thought this was going to be best in like, you know, the common sense factor just has to come in effect at, at some point here. And you're, you're curious as to where the line is. I don't know where it is either, but you know, I think the players will be the ones that determine that because at some point a player is going to look at it and say, look, this just isn't safe. This isn't a place I feel comfortable going to. Maybe if it was in City X or City Y that was doing considerably better, that would. But I mean, as of today, I don't think as a, a pro athlete, even in a bubble situation with all the different plans and safety protocols they have in place. I don't know that I'd feel safe going to Florida. 
Well, I, I can tell you for 100% certainty, I would not feel safe going to Florida. I don't care what uh, protocols you have. If they said, look, Klein, a lot of guys have backed out, and I mean a lot if we're coming to you, you have full access to the NBA's everything. Go in there. We're going to need someone to report on this thing. Uh, by the way, you do have to go to Florida, though. I mean, honestly, I'm still probably saying yes, but I give it a long thought. Like, I, it, it would take a lot for me to consider going anywhere down there right now, but especially Florida. Like, I, I, I wouldn't want to go cover any of this stuff right now. No. No, and it's it, it's becoming worse and worse, and uh, I wonder at what point the NBA has to take a serious look and see if, uh, you know, they're still, what, a month out? I mean, the Toronto Raptors, especially your defending champions, have already said that they're going to be the one team that has to go there earlier than everybody else. Uh, maybe take a step back on that and try to figure out a better plan here because right now it, it doesn't look like the smartest move to have it there. Look, just move everything here. Just move, we, we got a, a couple baseball parks. You can use Siemens Stadium. Uh, I, I'm sure Could you? if you just like a, a couple couple Lysol wipes to, to Foothills and, and that yeah. would be good to go. Um, we we totally. got, the, yeah, the, the UFC uh, dinos play basketball. You can use the basketball courts. I mean, we, we got this thing just completely locked down. Um, I should have asked you this before, Logo. Do you have access to the text line? I do have access to the text line. Okay, well, you will see that your question got just an absolute ton of uh, responses for the uh, the correct answer to this at nine six zero nine six zero. Your question for our Wild Rose gift pack: uh, twelve Wild Rose, fifty dollar gift card to the tap room. The question was, what's your favorite father son activity? There's a lot of them. Uh, do, do you have any particular favorites that you have at nine six zero nine six zero? Should we do this in the next segment? No, we we got a couple. Well, we got a couple seconds here that we can I go through them and uh, look to Wonderful. to all of you with um, I'll call them bad dads uh, in some of these situations. Uh, I I love you. I feel bad for you, but you, you're probably not going to win. The dad taking you to the uh, to the strip club probably not not the winning answer. I you know I feel bad yeah. for you, but I guess if that's what you do with your dad, that's that's uh, that's what you do with your dad, but. Uh, definitely some good ones there. We, we had some, uh, building Lego. I like, I really like the one, um, if I could find it now, uh, the father son that was playing, uh, MLB baseball together on, uh, MLB mm, that 20. One's like right at the top. That one's right yes. at the top. Yes. Uh, lots of that. We've had lots of golfing. We did have a few people following Peter Klein's advice of, oh, yes, we listen to the show together, and, and we love that. <laughs> but uh, I think, I, I think I'm think i going to give it to, to Liam with the Frisbee golfing with his dad. Ooh. I like that one. It's a very unique thing to do with your father. So I think that's a, our second winner of the day. And good news is, if you didn't win this time, we have three more, to, we have three more four more? Three more. Three more. Three more to go. Three more. Yeah. So we got three yeah. more of these 12 packs and a uh, $50 gift card to go along with each of them to the Wild Rose uh, tap room. So, so keep tuned in. Thanks for texting in. We'll, we'll have more of these as the uh, hour continues. Yeah, sometimes when we do these, like my last one, I said, hey, congratulations, Mike, you're the winner. So there's like 27 guys who think that uh, they won. With this one, I think we only had one Liam uh, answering Frisbee golf. So I think we, we've got this one uh, pretty well 
locked down already as to, to who knows they're winning 12 wild rows plus a $50 gift card to the tap room. The next question for this, we're going to do this right when we come back for the next one. I'm, I'm in a given mood. We're rolling here on a Friday on Pinder and Steinberg. I know the promo said we're not going to ask for dad jokes, Oh, but we're going to ask for dad jokes. Give us <laughs> your worst that we can still read on the radio at 960 and whichever one buckles us, uh, we'll be getting a, uh, a gift card and 12 Wild Rose as our Father's Day giveaway continues. Lots more to get to. All NHL teams. COVID continues to be a problem. And we will hear from Chris Snow. He was on with the boys out in Toronto a little bit earlier on today as the, uh, the trick shot for Snowy continues to take over the internet. We'll hear from Chris Snow in the next hour. This is Pinder and Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Strange times for sure. Sportsnet 960 The Fan is here for you. No sports, no problem. Pinder and Steinberg continues right now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour two of Pinder and Steinberg continues here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I definitely almost called it the big show. Uh, Peter Klein, <laughs> Logan Gordon, and Riley Pollock back with you today. Now, time for Sportsnet. Uh, <laughs> We, uh, we asked and we got a couple of good ones here on the uh, the fan feedback line, 960-960, uh, asking for uh, the best dad jokes, looking for a Wild Rose gift card, $50 to the tap room, plus a 12-pack uh, of Wild Rose. Could be yours if you get us. Guys, do we, do we want to hear a few dad jokes? It's been a bit of a rough news day. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a down day. I would love to hear some... Some dad jokes, despite the fact that you just you flew this in the face of our our promo that's been running all week to to get this going. We had said you don't have no dad jokes. We didn't want any dad jokes. And Peter's second question is sending a dad joke. Right. Well, we also have production that says this show is Pinder and Steinberg, and that's clearly a lie because neither of those guys right. are here. So point. I, I think Peter uh, Klein. <laughs> all right. Uh, what's brown and sticky? A stick. <laughs> that's that's one of those jokes that's like so that bad it's kind of funny. Yeah, I I like that one a lot. Um, see, I I should have pre-read some of these because I mean, quite frankly, some of you out there, I just don't trust you. Uh, but now I, I have to read these just on the fly. Uh, what happens to a frog when it breaks down? It gets towed. Come, come on. <laughs> I like this one. What did 50 Cent do when he was hungry? 58. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, I don't trust stairs. They're always up to something. Oh, man. Some of I these are it. so cringy. Um... I told my dad I broke my arm in three places. He said, don't go to those places. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that one. This graveyard looks packed. People must be dying to get in. Man. I'm impressed by the number of dad jokes out there, but I, I did figure that was right in the sweet spot of our demographic in the afternoon. Yeah. How, how do you make holy water? 
you boil the hell out of it. <laughs> Come on. Oh, I think people are getting into a bit of a groove now. Nine six zero nine six zero. If you guys notice something, just jump in. I'm just I'm just rolling with these right now. Yeah, I'm trying to pre-screen them here as I go through because I don't want to get caught with one of these. Right. Riles, any that stand out to you? Do you have your text line up? The fish with no eyes one. What do you call a fish with no eyes? Fish. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a classic. That's a pretty good one. I, I, you know what? Surprisingly, I've only heard a couple of these. I thought I would I'd be more on those, but clearly not. <laughs> you want a dad joke with no cringe? Now that's funny. Look, we want cringe. We just don't want it to be, you know, get us kicked off the radio cringe. That sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's true. Um, have you ever heard the story? Have you ever heard the story of a broken pencil? I'll tell you, but it has. But it's pointless. <laughs> this is this is exactly why we said no dad jokes. No, this is exactly why we wanted dad jokes. It's true. Uh, do you have a favorite PK? Are we ready for, uh, do you want to declare a winner in this one for your, your second All one? Right. Or? I'm, uh, I'm going to vote for the first one that we, we went with, with the, uh, the stick one. What's brown and sticky? A stick. I hadn't heard that one before and it, it got me pretty good. All right. Well, there yeah, you that's go. A that pretty would dad, be, dad joke. That's a, that's yeah. a very good dad joke. Uh, so congratulations to Sean. You are the winner of 12 delicious Wild Rose and a $50 gift card to the Wild Rose Tap Room. Uh, congratulations to you, sir, for that. Uh, the dad jokes, though, are just absolutely piling in right now. <laughs> I'm reading a book about anti-gravity. It's impossible to put down. <laughs> like... The the fact of the matter is there's so many different ones here. It's actually pretty hard to pick a winner because there there are so many different ones. Yeah, that's a, like na- putting it down to just one is very tricky and obviously not something I was prepared for. I should have I should have understood that when I went with the dad joke, that was going to be quite the the long list of jokes coming in. But uh, yeah, our listeners showed up today. This was this one was much appreciated. And they're still coming in. We're going to be laughing at a few of these throughout the day, I am sure. I do want to get the text line's opinion as we transition away from dad jokes to the sports world. I want to get the text line's opinion. We've been talking about sports coming back for a while. Um, And again, as unbiased as we would like to be, there is going to be at least a little there because it's our livelihood and and things of that nature. Some of us to a a greater extent than others. I mean, we all work at this station, but there are extra incentives for for various people with sports coming back, just ability to cover them and and things of that nature. I want to get the text line's opinion on sports coming back. 960-960. I'm assuming if you are listening to this station, then you are a sports fan or... Uh, being held captive by one, I suppose. But I, I want to know what sports fans are thinking about this whole situation. Because we can go on and say, look, th- this is going to be completely safe and everything's going to be fine. But there is an element of, well, we want sports to come back because we cover sports for a living. Yeah, I mean, for, look, for us to to not do... Oh, God, I don't even want to add up all the months it'd be six or seven months of, of no actual sports sports radio um, would be a, a task in and of itself and something that 
I, I don't know that we would have ever had to do it in a normal world ever. So for us, look, the, the fact of the matter is, is the more sports that we have to talk about, the better for us in, in every, you know, sense of the word. There's no, you know, sports radio without sports to, you know, say an obvious statement there. So, you know, from that perspective, it's obvious that we want sports back, but, you know, from a, a moral standpoint and from a safety standpoint, you know, the the general feel for a lot of people, I think, is probably going to be mixed. I've seen, you know, there's plenty of people on the text line who have, who have come through and said, look, I don't, there's no point in doing this. It's a shortened season. Uh, the validity of a championship isn't going to work this season anyways. Just start it next year and give yourself the time to come back properly. And I, I can't totally discount that, you know, theory. I think the as far as the MLB, NHL and and NBA have gone. They've done their best to try to make it, you know, so it would be a worthwhile endeavor, not just financially, but for the teams participating. You wouldn't feel like you, you know, stole a championship or uh, won it in an easier circumstance. But at the same time, you know, if it's going to be an unhealthy thing for a group of people or 24 teams to travel to two hub cities and then one hub city or go to, you know, Disney World in Florida where things are an absolute mess right now, I, I can't say I would hold that against anybody at this point. Yeah, and, and like, it all comes down to why are we doing this again, right? Like, the, it, it to me, it comes down to the reasoning. If the reasoning is we think we can completely 100% safely open up sports again, so we're going to do it, then okay. If the answer is, look, we think we can get it safe enough that we can finish out this regular season and these playoffs so that we can get our TV contract money. It's tough to be like, oh, okay, yeah, cool, awesome, let's just go for it. Like, it's just, I'm not saying it's all just because of money, but when money does become an issue, it's easy to say that people's judgment is getting clouded. And mm -hmm. I think today was a reminder, you can try to, to lock things down all you want, there's still going to be some of this. And the next point to it that you, you do have to, and it's something that I, I've grappled with as well. The, the initial lockdown, shutdown, quarantine, whatever you want to call it, it wasn't done so we could just cure this thing, right? Like, it was done so that we could give our, our healthcare systems across North America and across the world, really, give them at least a bit of breathing room so we don't get pictures like we had coming out of Vanderbilt where there are hospital beds set up in the parking lot because everything is just overwhelmed. And to a certain extent in this country, I mean, to the main extent in this country, we've done that. Florida is still an absolute tire fire. There are some places in the States, though, that have got this relatively under control. And you do have to say at some point, look, people do get hurt playing sports. People get sick all the time with non-COVID things. You can't just completely shut everything down forever because you're going to keep coming up with excuses and excuses as to, to why you can't do it. And I, I find trouble with that balance a lot. Like we weren't, we weren't ever going to just like completely cure this thing in two months. It, it was mm. just kind of getting the risk to an acceptable level, I suppose. But when you're talking about something that doesn't need to happen, what's the acceptable level? And it's something morally that I have a lot of trouble with. Yeah, and look, even the process of getting to to this hub city idea, you know, training camps, you know, you're talking about 
24, you know, in most cases, 20 plus teams in the MLB, the entire league of teams, you know, having to come together in some form or another in different places and different cities and then traveling and moving in and out. And, you know, you're, you're never going to hear an executive in, you know, sports trying not to recoup some of their money. That's the whole point. They're, you know, they're in it for the money. As much as we might be in it for our team and our passion and our love of the game, the money aspect to this thing drives all of it. And, you know, if there wasn't money to be had this year, we wouldn't be having that conversation. But that being said, at some point, I don't know what the dollar figure is. I don't know what the, the line is. I don't know where morality, you know, really crosses that money threshold where somebody at a very high level in one of these organizations says, look, no. Like, we're we're just talking silliness here. And that's why I think it, if it does come to that point, it'll probably be a player's decision as a whole and as a group to say it's not safe and we, you know, we're not making enough money to, to, to bother with this and we just can't do it anymore, right? Because I don't know how much, you know, if there's, if there's ever money on the line that someone's going to say no to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple texts, 960960, because that's what I, I wanted to hear from uh, our listeners. Where where are you guys at with, with sports returning? Someone texting in, you want my opinion? I need a team to cheer for. Give me something to play for so it's entertaining, but give me something. Anything to cheer for so I can stop yelling at fish in the lake on weekends. My outlet is gone. Uh, let me introduce you to the Korean Baseball League, sir. Uh, but no, I mean, that's, that's, that's a real thing for people. Uh, there's going to be cases, sports or not. Let's get going. This one kind of follows suit with that one. Out of the billions of people exposed to this, how many have been young, healthy athletes have actually died from this? And then we got to take the numbers from there. And I understand that point. Uh, A couple counters to it. One, I don't know if I love the justification of, but did you die though? As reason to come back for sports. That that does make me a little concerned. And also, we don't know the long-term ramifications of having this either. So I don't think we can say, ah, didn't die, get back out there. As well, something and, that's just a reason to bring it back. Well, and we've talked about this, you know, this is a COVID being especially, you know, contagious thing because you don't necessarily have to be in a hospital and sick and going through all the symptoms to have it or to spread it. And that's, you know, that's the moral discussion of, you know, even if you're not feeling symptoms, you could still have it and you could still pass it on to somebody and you could still create more work for the healthcare system or pass it along to somebody who's not a young, healthy, strapping athlete and, you know, likely to to survive it. Those are the sort of things that, that factor into, you know, yes, is a an NHL athlete at 25 with tons of medical professionals hired by a team around him likely to to be okay yes but there's more to it than that uh someone else texting in if i was the nhl and serious about returning to play then i wouldn't be setting up shop in any american city as a hub i would suggest that's uh it's probably a fair point by you that's um if i'm the nhl i'm looking at this as okay so Vancouver, Edmonton, Edmonton, Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg, uh, because it's it, it really does look like an absolute disaster down in the States. And it does appear like we've at least started flattening. The, it's still growing in Florida. We've at least flattened the curve out here. 
Uh, so I, I do I do wonder if the NHL is giving serious consideration to both hubs being up here in the Great White North. I, I wonder. I don't. I think the the Canadian government making concessions in that direction is interesting, and it's probably why we haven't heard Vegas officially as a hub city, uh, despite the fact that we've heard that that name come out a few times. I I don't know. I think it's probably more of a question that we'll get into with Elliot and and CJ early next week if we don't get more mm-hmm. news on a hub city over the weekend, and you know, kind of see how a bad couple days in the U.S. might affect the thinking of NHL executives when it comes to to planning these things. You know, if they were a, a soft yes on Vegas, what does it take them? Uh, to, what does it take for them to to change their mind completely? and try to settle on on two Canadian hub cities, uh, at some point safety has to, to take over, and that's kind of the line we've been towing all afternoon. So keep the text coming at 960-960. Um, just to, to end this on a, a bit of a lighter note, I did see one other dad joke that I, I'll admit, if this one comes in earlier, um, I'm, I'm doing some hard thinking about who won. This text reads, I tell dad jokes but don't have any kids. I'm a faux pas. And that one, wow. that one got me. I appreciate uh, a clever play on words. So, hmm. uh, I mean, if you want to keep them coming, we're not going to give you anything for them. But if you want to keep them coming <laughs> at 960-960, send the, uh, the, the dad jokes in. Um, and we'll, we'll probably keep reading them and keep laughing about them here on the program today. We still do have two more Wild Rose giveaways to do with Father's Day coming up this weekend. We got 12-pack of Wild Rose. We got a $50 gift card to the tap room. Two chances left. Fantastic prize. Keep it tuned because we're going to be doing this over the next hour and a half. When we come back, you've been seeing it all over social media. Trick Shots for Snowy has absolutely blown up. It's all for an amazing cause. Chris Snow chatted with the guys out in Toronto earlier today. We'll have that conversation next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Different spots staying at home, but still talking on the radio. It's a miracle. Pinder and Steinberg is only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. In about half an hour, we will be making certain fan bases probably very upset as we all go through our first and second team NHL All-Stars for the, uh, I guess, completed 2019-20 National Hockey League season keep the text coming at 960960 still getting uh, quite a few remarkably entertaining jad, uh, dad jokes on the, uh, the the fan feedback line at 960960 appreciate those it's been a nice pick me up today you've been seeing them all over the internet um, to, to varying degrees of success with the trick shot for snowy campaign to raise money for ALS all of it to help out uh, Chris Snow with the Calgary Flames uh, just a, a tremendous story, what he's been battling and the, the attitude that he has had in battling ALS for the last year. He was on with the guys out in Toronto earlier today to talk uh, all things trick shot for snowing. Chris Snow, Flames assistant general manager. And Wednesday was one year since he was diagnosed with ALS. And since then, raising more than $150,000 for ALS research, uh, his hashtag trick, uh, trick shot for snowy. Huge in raising awareness. Some of the biggest celebrities in the world have, have uh, part, uh, partaken in the trick shot for Snowy. And uh, to donate, you can, and for more information, you can go to calgaryflames.com slash snowy strong. Chris Snow on the line right now. Chris, thanks so much for doing this. Appreciate it. 
Hey, thanks so much for having me. So uh, it's insane. The the celebrities that have joined into uh, and and participated in Trick Shot for Snowy. Pat McAfee threw a football over a building and and hit a target. That was nuts. Theo Epstein yesterday kicking a football 50 yards. Like, what is the thing that's blown you away the most? Well, I think it's how the sports community really rallies. Um, the really neat thing is that we're all rather connected. Uh, I'm pretty fortunate that as a former baseball writer, I developed some relationships with people like Theo, uh, other general managers who were, were younger guys at that time who were beginning to start that analytical wave and met people in the NBA. Uh, and so I'm able to now reach back into those fields. And when they say yes, and uh, and I think it's, it's fun too. I, I think that, you know, I was joking with Theo last night an hour in that he had 102,000 views of that video. And he said, yeah, but 98,000 of them are me. And I think it's just a campaign that is, uh, it's fun to get to show off a little bit and, and do something to really help what is a, a cause that needs to help. How, how many takes for Theo, though, Chris? You know what? I didn't ask him that question. The only question I asked him, because I had done a kick the day before from 43 yards, and my drop, three-step drop, and, and kind of the allowable distance to approach a field goal you could see. In Theo's case, I couldn't see it. I said, hey, did you run for like 20 feet to this thing? And he said, nope, three steps, just listen, and you can hear all three of them. So I, I would say it probably sure. would take him very many based on, based on the angle of that kick. That was pretty good. Or maybe you could hear the last three of, uh, of, of the run-up. Um, yeah, he was far too far away. So, so I've, I've heard over my years in this business, um, a lot of people take shots at sports writers saying, you know, they're, they're failed athletes or they, you know, really want to be part of the business uh, and, and they're only writing because they can't. As someone who successfully transitioned from – sports writing to being uh, an executive in a major professional sport. I mean, Ned Coletti did that too, uh, but I can't right. think of too many others. How do you, how do you make that switch and uh, how difficult is it? Well, I was very fortunate to do so at a time when there were very few people in front offices who uh, were not former players. And I was fortunate that at that point in time, the salary cap was brand new. Uh, the idea of using data to assess players was brand new. And I just happened to know Doug Reisbrow, who found me to be curious and, and asked really annoying questions that were very specific and database in nature when he was running the wild. And I was a journalist back in 2003 and 2004. So I, I think it was a moment in time. I think today that that would be a very difficult move because there are so many people who work for people like myself, and it's become such a specialized and uh, really the bar is just higher. I think the bar was lower and I knew somebody and I was really fortunate to do that. So what would your advice be then? Would it be to go like to some Ivy League school, become a big brain, uh, work on your spreadsheets, be one of those analytic <laughs> darlings? Well, I do think that the size of analytical departments are, are growing a great deal. Uh, I, I surveyed some teams this past February when I was doing my annual budget and I was shocked to see how the spending on staffing in that area has grown. And so the advice I tend to give is, is develop a specialty that a, you're going to want to use for your career, because if you become someone with a degree in economics, you'd better want to use it to do that, not just to work for a team because the odds are still long. 
or become a computer programmer, but do it because you want to program computers and then find a way to catch the eye of the team. So I, I would say it tends to be, you know, challenging and difficult and probably for a lot of people a part-time or passion project that maybe becomes a job, but there's no doubt the number of those roles that are available, uh, that number is growing every single year. Yeah, it is, and, and we see it, too, at the ballpark uh, every day with the, the growth of the analytics department. Um, you're doing all this, of course, with, like, the, the specter of ALS hanging over your head uh, because it's, right. it's in the family. And I remember a couple of years ago here, Chris, when Joe Smith was with the Blue Jays uh, as a reliever, he's doing all the things he's doing with Huntington's disease, in the family, obviously very different, but both uh, very, you know, big deals. And I, I remember talking to him about it, and he was like, I, you know, I can't think about it. At least there's a there's a test for Huntington's to see if you're going to pass it on to your kids. Um, and right. he said, if you know, if we're going to have kids, then maybe I'll get tested. But right now, I'm just, I, I can't think about it. I, I have to live. Um, what was it like for you? before last year to just just have that in the background i'm assuming the whole time yeah it was a bit of a challenge i i think it became a real challenge when see i've lost if, if people aren't familiar with my story i've lost uh, my dad and two uncles and a 28 year old cousin to the disease uh three of them in the last seven years and the other seven years before that so 14 years ago uh, it, it was a thought, but it became a bigger thought when my cousin got sick because he was so young. Everyone before that was my uncle's late 40s, early 50s. Um, my dad wound up being 67, uh, 68, I suppose, uh, at diagnosis when he passed away. So when my cousin got sick, it became, you know, a, a, a concern. Uh, but there, to your point, there is no definitive test. Uh, this is really a process of elimination diagnosis, and, and that's the way it was for me. I went through an ultrasound of my elbow, thinking it was a nerve. I went through an MRI of my neck, thinking it was a nerve, really hoping it was one of these things that was pinched off somewhere. And finally, at I think my sixth appointment, uh, a doctor looked at me and said, "You know, this this is pointing towards motor neuron disease." And hearing those words is, as I've said many times it's really a death sentence and to be here a year later with as i know it's the most aggressive form of this which carries a life expectancy of six to 18 months is a credit to science and research and the kind of fundraising we're trying to do because these trials mine is probably the the best most advanced trial going but they're starting to come and i think they're going to come fast and furious and again, if people want to donate, they can go to calgaryflames.com slash snowystrong. You can also participate in the hashtag trickshot for snowy. Yeah, it's, you, you're doing incredibly well, Chris. Like anybody that's seen the video of you kicking the football, uh, considering your diagnosis from a year ago, like how do you feel today? I feel really good. I, I have to remind myself sometimes if I get a little bit hung up on, you know, what I don't have, which is which is really just a couple of things. Um, I'd remind myself of, of last year of last June. Uh, and my story for that matter, when I go back to last June is very much connected to your city because I was instantly uh, connected to the doctor, uh, Lauren Zinman at Sunnybrook, who was one of the leaders in this area, not just in Canada, but in North America. And on June 24th of last year, 
a week, week after being diagnosed, uh, he had facilitated me coming in to be screened uh, for this trial and gave me all of the optimism and belief in the world. When I walked out of his office, the last thing he said to me was, we are here to make history. And to go from what you perceive to be, you know, someone telling you your life will be over in a year at age 38, 39, to someone saying you're going to be one of the first to potentially beat this was, you know, I had chills walking down that hallway. I, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine uh, what that's like. And, and Ben gave the, uh, the flames website, but that's what this thing is all about. All these trick shots, you know, the, the ice bucket challenge is, was, was a lot of fun on social media, but the goal was to mm-hmm. raise money and raise awareness. And this goal is to raise money and raise awareness so that we can further this research and, and, and make legitimate history. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have a, a lot of uh, there's there's been a push lately to donate to a lot of different things lately as we go through this pandemic and as we go through uh, the what you know, what's another civil rights revolution south of the border. Mm-hmm. If you have a little bit of room left, this is a, a wonderful cause uh, to do it. You know, ALS is uh, it's a, a brutal thing and it's something that. Uh, is obviously forever connected to baseball, which is my sport. Um, but uh, but this is, I mean, this is more than just people throwing footballs out of windows into trucks passing by. That's right. That's right. And I, I think that the benefit to social media, the, the real good that it can do is the reach it can have. You know, Pat McAfee, uh, or backing it up, my college friend Jeff Passan, who writes for ESPN about baseball, he has 500,000 followers, and he throws a football through hoop from – 33 yards and and then he challenges pat mcafee and pat mcafee with his 1.8 million followers challenges aaron Rodgers, and that's reach and with reach we don't need as many big donations much like i said when i kicked that field goal the other day if every person who watched that had given one dollar we would have raised three hundred and thirty thousand dollars. so i always say it takes just a little bit from a lot of people and i think that's much more attainable than asking a lot from a limited number yeah, and it's going to continue to grow, especially when Eddie Vedder and David Ortiz do their videos after they were called on yeah, by they, Theo Epstein. Theo, Theo and Eddie are really close. They have vacationed together. Uh, they met back in '03 when Theo was hired as CM of the Red Sox, and he, he happened to mention somewhere that Pearl Jam was his favorite band. And Eddie Vedder reached out, invited him to a concert, and he, he said to Theo last night, he said, I'm in, and I have something wild planned. I can't so wait to see it. I can't wait. And David, David Ortiz, I was around him for two years as a baseball writer, and he is as, as good and as funny a guy as I've met. And my understanding is that he will be in as well. Yeah, understandably. Such a great cause, and it's getting so much traction. Uh, before we let you go, I want to ask a hockey question, Chris, naturally. Okay. I mean, uh, yeah, you guys have this play-in series against the Jets coming up. You also have the draft. Like, where is your focus more right now? It's just, I mean, that series is so far down the line it feels like and it, it's such an unknown i mean the draft is too but like where are mm-hmm. you finding the most of your focus right now well the good thing is we thought the draft for a while was going to be as soon as the first week of june so we prepared like that was going to happen in april and the first half of may so our draft preparation has been done for a while and and now we can revisit it because we'll have the benefit of time but our focus right now is on the players who are in town the players who will get back here um, you know, working with, with individuals one-on-one, even with, 
with video and just building, you know, a plan for getting their minds focused on, you know, what they're going to need to do to be ready uh, once we can step on the ice together. So I think the focus is turning more and more toward uh, the team and toward play as we approach July. Uh, Chris, again, it was uh, my pleasure, my honor to talk to you today. Incredible work you've done. Again, the website is calgaryflames.com slash snowystrong to donate. Uh, hashtag trick shot for snowy. Uh, they're going to keep coming fast and furious, and this is going to continue to grow. Uh, great job. Uh, thanks so much for this, Chris. Thank you both for the time. I really appreciate it. So there you go, Chris Snow in conversation with the guys out in Toronto. Trick shot for Snowy and CalgaryFlames.com slash SnowyStrong. Uh, we still have a bit to get to as we roll on here with Pinder and Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fans. Still have two more Wild Rose gift packs to give away for Father's Day with the 12-pack along with the $50 gift card to the tap room. We'll get those uh, out to you guys in the next hour and a bit from 960-960. Do want to uh, mention something that was brought to my attention here before we hit the break. We talked about Canada West the other day. Uh, it appears that the uh, the ACAC is following suit as they announced that the fall 2020 sports season is cancelled. Uh, all two-semester and single-semester ACAC winter semester sports will be scheduled for completion in the winter of 2021, commencing in January. This includes basketball, volleyball, badminton, men's hockey, women's hockey, curling, uh, futsal, and indoor track. Cancelled our golf, cross-country, running, soccer. They'll be rescheduled and conducted in spring 2021. <clears throat> Excuse me, beginning in April. So, uh, not great sports news when no. it comes to uh, the ACAC here in... Um, I mean, when it comes to the ACAC. It's it's something we've talked about a bit, Logo, where the these are the, the types of organizations that you start to get a little bit concerned about missing too much time. Well, as we know, these aren't, you know, the money-making juggernauts that pro sports are or even college sports are in, in the U.S. And, uh, you know, we, we had a disappointing announcement from uh, the University of Alberta the other day about canceling uh, sports programs there. And now we've, you know, continued to see more and more sporting at the university level just not going to be able to, to go on this year. And it's disappointing and it's certainly frightening not only for right now and for these athletes that uh, we're looking forward to their uh, their sport coming up here, but, you know, for the future of it. Are they able to financially uh, afford these sort of programs and these things at a collegiate level when whenever they're ready to come back? It's a question that we won't be able to answer for a long time, but I'm, I'm very hopeful that college sports, especially in Canada, can find a way back. Yeah, I, I I would definitely second that, and just hoping to to be able to support whenever that uh, whenever those are able to come back, because it's a, a very important part of the sports culture in this province and in this country too. Uh, as you mm -hmm. look at national competitions and things of that nature, time for us to take a break. When we come back, chance to win you a bit of money as horse racing is coming back this weekend. Um, tough to socially distance in horse racing, but still, Belmont Stakes is coming back. We got a preview for you next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Calgary guys staying at home. Ryan Pinder and Pat Steinberg talking sports, pop culture, life, and anything else. Your afternoon diversion is right here. Stream online at sportsnet.ca slash 960. Download the Sportsnet or Radio Player Canada apps. Pinder and Steinberg are on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. 
We are just about 15 minutes away from angering fan bases across North America as we discuss our first and second team All-Stars as we continue to look at NHL awards throughout uh, the next couple of weeks as we gear up for maybe the start of the NHL season with training camps set to begin in a little under a month's time. We still have a couple Wild Rose gift packs to give away for Father's Day on the line today. You got 12 delicious glorious mm. wild rose uh plus fifty dollars to the tap room could be yours my question we just heard from chris snow and the uh with the, the interview from the guys out in toronto as the trick shot for snowy campaign continues my question fine texters of sportsnet 960 what would your trick shot be if you were nominated send it into 960960 now it can't just be oh, I would do a backflip off of a tiger and throw an acorn into a bear's mouth. This has to be something that we think could realistically be done, but also sounds cool as heck. So that, it, it needs that would to, be kind of impressive if someone could do that. Right? I just don't believe that it could be done. If you have a video of you doing a backflip off of a tiger, throwing an acorn into a bear's mouth, uh, don't send that in because I don't condone that type of behavior even a little bit. You will definitely get eaten. But uh, yeah, no, it, it has to be cool but also believable. Send them in at 960-960. This weekend, we continue to see a, a few more sports work their way back. The, the English Premier League is now back in full swing with a few games today. Uh, but we also, this weekend, have the return of the Belmont Stakes. And here with a preview of that is uh, Pat Steinberg and Scotty Roberts. Well, we know sports are slowly coming back and things are a little bit different than what we're used to. And that could not be any more true than the world of horse racing. As triple crown season starts tomorrow, however, not the way that we're used to. Usually, it's Kentucky Derby, Preakness Stakes, and Belmont Stakes starting in May. Well, fast forward a month and kind of jumble up the order. For the first time ever, the triple crown will start with the Belmont Stakes in New York. That goes tomorrow and horse racing is officially back the triple crown season is officially back and we can't talk triple crown with anybody else other than the one and only scotty roberts from the elbow river casino hello my friend it has been far too long it is always a pleasure never a chore to touch base with the one and only the uh, internationally renowned patrick steinberg and, and you know I, just, I might need a moment to compose myself because I've just been just hanging out in the uh, the Pat Steinberg lounge. <laughs> it's a bit creepy, to be honest, but that's okay. Um, with all the girls. I didn't know that, that, that this happened like this, but this is amazing. I'm, I'm so proud. I feel like I've known you for a long time now, and I'm so proud of how far you've, <laughs> you've come. And it's emotional. I mean, let me take my mask off. Well, and, and all joking aside, Scotty, it's, it's a big weekend for the Elbow River Casino because here we are on Friday, and you are back open officially today you'll be open for the belmont tomorrow and the doors back open today it's, it's a big weekend for you at the elbow river it's fantastic pal i was down there this morning 9 30 uh, it took me 20 minutes to find the key i had it underneath uh, like in my car underneath the thing there i couldn't find it but i got it they were in there it's full the place is full people can't get enough they're putting money in anything it's unbelievable <laughs> they've missed them we've missed them it's fantastic we're already out of coffee um, like it's just what a great day and it's so nice to see friendly faces a uh, couple of miserable ones but that's okay but you know what we've had a good 
great day. It's been a long three months waiting to reopen. Um, and it's just nice to be back. It's nice to see, as I say, the familiar faces and, uh, and onwards and upwards. Hopefully this is, uh, we're turning a point now and it's going to be good from here on in. Everyone's doing a great job. They're washing their hands. They're washing each other's hands. Uh, they're like the guy giving out like uh, facials. <laughs> brilliant. That's not, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be seen to be believed. So come on down. It's, it's brilliant. Well, and I'm really happy that you'll be open in time for the Belmont Stakes. The first leg of the 2020 Triple Crown, as you mentioned, it's a little bit different. Things are a little jumbled up. Usually it's the Kentucky Derby that starts this off, and in 2020 instead, it's the Belmont Stakes. It's the longest track. It's typically the toughest track. So, so tell us about a weird Triple Crown season starting with the Belmont Stakes in New York. Well, th this one now, it has to come with an asterisk, of course, because this is unlike any other. Um, the Belmont, they've, done a, they've actually done a good thing here. They've made a, a, a really good decision. They've, they've changed the length of the race. As you say, the race would generally be in a mile and a half. And then that was the test. That was the, you know, can the Derby winner, can the Preakness winner go that extra quarter of a mile? And it was, uh, it was stamina sapping. And Belmont's a sandy track. It's a tough track. It really is. And so it took, you know, like uh, it was a war of attrition, if you like. Um, now they've moved the race back to a mile and an eighth. Uh, so it's not, that's why I'm saying we need to have the asterisks on the Triple Crown this year. But it also, it helps because all these three-year-olds now, we're later on in the year. So the horses that would have been ready in May have had a couple of extra months on their back, like to, you know, like to get ready for the big race. Um, to start off at the Belmont, not everyone's in love with it, but you know what? That's what you got to do, what you got to do in these times. This is yeah. crazy times and, and let's get it going and let's have some fun. And, you know, let, let's see what happens from the Belmont. It is going to have a bearing on the Derby. Um, some good horses, it's not the best of fields. A lot of horses have stayed, you know, like not really allowed to ship. Uh, there's restrictions everywhere on the jockeys, whether they can come in and how long they have to stay after they come in. So we work with what we have. The Derby winner may be in the Belmont Stakes. The Derby favorite is in the Belmont Stakes, but there are some good horses in Santa Anita that are just watching this, gonna see how this plays out this weekend. The Derby's gonna be a, a big old race. And if the favorite wins the Belmont, it's gonna be a cracking Derby. He's Scotty Roberts of the Elbow River Casino looking ahead to the Belmont Stakes, which is tomorrow in New York. And, you know, let's let's take a little bit of a deeper look at the field. You mentioned the favorite. Tis the Law is the favorite at the Belmont Stakes. It's a big favorite, too. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about the field. Tell us a little bit more about the favorite and, and how you're looking at things. Well, Tis the Law won the, won the Florida Derby. Now, the Florida Derby in the past has always been a good indicator for moving forward for the Triple Crown. You know, obviously, if you win a race such as that, prestigious as that, you're going to become one of the favourites. Tis the Law has been very fortunate. Well, he's not been very fortunate. He's done what he's had to do. He's been winning on the racetrack. Uh, there were, this time last week, there was four horses within half a point of each other for the Belmont Stakes. Two of them retired in the last week. So he as a matter of circumstance, has become, as you say, a very, very strong favourite. He is a very good horse. Don't get me wrong. Um, he's won at Belmont before. He went to Florida from New York, and now he's returning. So you don't have any worries about him over the track. Uh, the trip shouldn't be a problem. The second favourite is a horse called Tap to Win. Tap it to win. Couldn't win if it started now. Complete pig. <laughs> don't know how that has happened. It won uh, a donkey race last week where everybody just let this thing go on the front. It won by a long way, but I could have won that race. And I've got a little bit... I'm carrying overweight now after COVID. But even I could beat Tap it to win. So Tap it to win is, is not where we should put our... So where should, if we're not going favourite and we're not putting money on pigs... 
who are we putting money on? Give us a give us a smart bet here, Scotty. Well, the smart money, we are going back. We're going to go on a horse that is wheeling back just 10 days after winning in Florida. He's shipped out there. It's a horse called Sol Volante. Just, it just it rolls off the tongue. I'm so fluent. It's unbelievable. Uh, Sol Volante is the pick. Now, he's run, he was in the Tampa Bay Derby, came second to a massive outsider that won that race, King Guillermo. But King Guillermo had like a 30-length start with a furlong to go, and Sol Volante scythed through the field. Uh, the way that you scythe through Sammy's sports bar to get yourself a martini. It was eerily similar. And it's just, I think that this race sets up for him. There's a couple of front runners. We need some strong pace. It's the only way we're going to beat is the law. We need something to go, one of the other pigs, to go with Tappet to win. Run a little bit of the sting out of Tis the Law, and Sol Volante will be flying at the death. And hopefully he will get up in time. Okay, now, most importantly, whenever we talk... I got to know about the pigs. Tell me about the pigs, Scotty. We need to know about the pigs running tomorrow. I, like, I, I, I even struggle talking about them. It upsets me so much. If I had a horse in Canada, I'd be running it in this race because there's a horse called Four Left. Four Left. No, go away. Like He, was, he came from Dubai. Go back. That's what I say. <laughs> go back to Dubai. Jungle Runner. Jungle Tap it to win might beat Jungle Runner. That's how bad Jungle Runner is. There's only like 10 horses in, there's 10 runners in the race. There's probably only two or three that can win. There's a horse called Dr. Post. He's been winning. He's been winning. He's been not doing anything spectacular. Just keeps on winning. Todd Pletcher, you can never discount him. But um, Johnny Johnny Velasquez, the jockey who generally rides for Pletcher, has decided to ride Tap It to win. So if he's going to get off Dr. Post, and I don't want no part of Tap It to win, then I wouldn't bet Dr. Post with your money. Okay, my friend. Elbow River Casino is open. It'll be open tomorrow for the Belmont Stakes. Tell us a little bit more about it. Tell us about how we can come watch. And uh, it's going to be a little different. We know that. Restrictions in place, all that type of stuff. But but tell us about tomorrow for the Belmont. It's hopefully going to be the same. I mean, we're encouraging everyone to come on down. We want everyone to be respectful of each other's you know, areas. Let, let's keep to the social distancing. Um, let's still have fun. The room's big enough that you can, you know, we can spread out. We can make our bets. Just give yourself plenty of time to get in there. Don't get stuck behind Pat Steinberg as he's making his multitude of exotic wages. Can I have a $50 superfector? Settle down, Pat. You'll get your third. <laughs> It's going to be okay. Strassic in the back, 300 win place and show. Settle down, Mark. We'll get you in. It's going to be okay. You know, it's going to be busy, but we just have to give each other a little bit of space. Something I know you're not accustomed to at the Elbow River Casino because they're all over you. But um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a security cordon around you. Make sure that they can't, they can look, but they can't touch. That's what I'm going to go with this year. The Pat Steinberg Appreciation Lounge will be open. Meet and greet photos from 10 feet. And free coffee. Oh, it goes without saying. Just mention your name. All you can drink, free coffee at the Appreciation Lounge. Scotty Stein- <laughs> Steinberg sent me. Okay, you're in. Get a tea bag. Scotty, my friend, it just it feels good that horse racing's back. It feels good that we can watch a triple crown race this weekend. I'm looking forward to it, my friend, and it has been far too long. It's good to hear your voice, brother. Thanks for doing this this afternoon. God bless you, pal. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll see you on Saturday. So, yes, horse racing back. Hopefully you're a bit smarter about it, too. 
as a fun conversation there. A lot of text to go through. 960-960. We asked you what your trick shot for Snowy would be if you were nominated. And again, we said, like, it had to be cool, but it had to be doable. One thing I didn't say, I thought it kind of went without saying, it had to be super legal, so nothing out of a moving vehicle uh, or into a whale spout or anything like that. Uh, so the the one for a lot of, uh, of going through these, I think we have come to the conclusion that the winner of this one, and again, the 12-pack of Wild Rose and a gift card worth 50 bucks to the Wild Rose Tap Room, the winner is going to be Dan, who said he would throw a frisbee through a mail slot in a door. I think that's something that is doable, super legal if it's your mail slot, and uh, I think would also be pretty badass that off so um my, my vote is for dan and i do believe that it's Jackson. yeah i was uh i'm all for dan's answer there because the, the like we said the one thing pete talked about was like these have to be doable things and while many of you on the text line believe you are suddenly part of the fast and furious crew um i don't believe any of you to be i don't think that's a thing like it's not a that's certainly not a Calgary thing. Like, yeah, there's just some things that would not, you know, be, first of all, safe or legal. And we wanted something sort of realistic. I haven't seen anyone do the Frisbee through the mail slot. It's a good idea. Um, it'd be I really interesting. It. Yeah, you tried, if you try it on a neighbor's, on a neighbor's house, it's even more interesting. I'd love to see your neighbor's reaction to why you're doing that. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was the best realistic one that we got. Yes, yeah, and again, we don't condone throwing Frisbees through a door uh, that you don't know. But yes, that would be kind of impressive and relatively hilarious. Uh, so congratulations to Dan. You are the winner of a 12-pack of Wild Rose as well as a $50 gift card to the Wild Rose Tap Room. We continue our trip through the NHL's awards. This one, the NHL First and Second Team All-Star Awards. This is bound to piss a few people off. So we'll do that next and get yelled at for it here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Sportsnet 960 The Fan is Calgary's only all-sports radio. The big guests are always on Sportsnet 960 first. Players, management, and insiders all appear on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Hear them live or check out the audio on our podcast when you want to. Details at sportsnet.ca slash 960. The Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. The best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. This is the latest from the 660 News Traffic Center. Into the crush of the rush, the busiest one we've seen in months and months and months, and there is a long backup on Crowchild Trail with paving on the bridge over the river between Bow Trail Southwest and Memorial Drive Northwest. You'll see holdups in both directions from time to time right through Monday evening could be a slow weekend on Crowchild and right now it is northbound traffic that is brutally backed up from 26th Avenue Southwest up to Kensington. As well on Glenmore Trail we've got a crash at Deerfoot Trail it's on the ramp coming off eastbound Glenmore toward Deerfoot it's not in the way but drivers go by slowly from McLeod to Deerfoot eastbound Glenmore is grinding in the 660 News Traffic Center I'm Trace Ventura. Right now at Nissan Finance select 2020 models from 0% for up to 84 months. Visit choose Nissan.ca. This 
KFAC 960 Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Live from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Owned by Rogers Media. Listen live anywhere at sportsnet.ca slash 960 or on the Sportsnet app. Trending right now in Calgary. It's 4.02, Riley Pollock with you today. Leaf star Austin Matthews has tested positive for COVID, that being announced today. The Canadian federal government has approved of the NHL's cohort quarantine proposal. That means NHL players would be allowed to skip the 14-day quarantine when coming back into the country because they would be separated from the general public. The Tampa Bay Lightning have closed their training facilities temporarily due to multiple players and staff testing positive for COVID-19. The same can be said for the Jays' facilities in Dunedin after a pitcher on the 40-man roster started to show symptoms of the virus. And Canadian Corey Connors is just one stroke back after two rounds at the RBC Heritage. He shot an 8-under today and is minus 11 for the tournament. Pinder and Steinberg continues next on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Trending now for Sportsnet. Germany's top football league is back. The Bundesliga. Watch every game on Sportsnet. Strange times for sure. Sportsnet 960 The Fan is here for you. No sports, no problem. Pinder and Steinberg continues right now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The final hour of Pinder and Steinberg is underway here on your Friday on Sportsnet 960. I'm Peter Klein, joined by Logan Gordon and by Riley Pollock. Still to come, we will hear a conversation with Shai Davidi as uh, we talk about a very eventful day, not necessarily a positive one in Major League Baseball. Also, uh, Jordan, with the the tag there at the end, mentioning the Bundesliga, do want to give a shout-out to uh, Canadian Alfonso Davies, voted the German League Rookie of the Year. Uh, so congratulations to him for just an unbelievable campaign uh, and getting a lot of attention here north of the border with uh, everything else in lockdown. So congratulations to Alfonso Davies for that. Speaking of seasonal awards, gentlemen, we have been going through them this week, both NHL and Calgary Flames, and we want to keep the main ones for when Pat is here, and obviously, so we're not going to run through the Calder or the Jack Adams today, but I still think this is a one that's going to bring about a fun discussion, and that is the uh, NHL's all-star teams. We will get to that in just a, a few moments' time. We'll let people brew on that, think of who they would pick. Uh, but, Logo, we have one more Wild Rose Father's Day giveaway to do. Yes, we've been giving these away all afternoon. Uh, a 12-pack of Wild Rose beer, $50 to the tap room, which is now back open for you to go taste some of their delicious food and have a few pints uh, a perfect father's day send off before father's day on sunday we've asked a number of questions your favorite activity with dad we've gotten dad jokes throughout the afternoon uh we got into some trick shots for snowy stuff uh and so we have one more to give away this hour we'll give it away after the NHL All-Star teams, but I'll ask the question now, and then we'll figure out who our winner is going to be. You need your first and last name on the text. We'll keep it very Father's Day related for this one. You just got to tell me your first sporting memory with your dad. Was it the first game your dad took you to? Was it your dad coaching you in Little League or teaching you how to golf? Something like that. Give me your favorite sporting memory 
with your dad, first and last name on the text after we get through our NHL uh, All-Star teams one and two, we will announce the winner of that one, 960-960. I like that one. Uh, just a quick one from me. Uh, I remember my dad visited me out in Toronto, and like I, I've mentioned before, we grew up, or I grew up, uh, he did as well, um, massive, <laughs> massive Blue Jays fans. But also, we, we would watch the, the Expos games when they were on for, for English commentary, and when I was growing up, was definitely in the, the heart of Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s run with the, the Montreal Expos. And he came out to visit me in Toronto, and the Jays were playing the Rangers when Vlad was there. And we... Uh, we went to batting practice just to watch Vlad do batting practice. And I remember he was launching them into the, the left field seats. And we were there trying to catch a, a, a Vlad batting practice run ball. And I looked away for a second. I think I checked my phone or, or something. And I looked back and a, a ball hit like a row before. We were, I was in the front row. It hit just a little bit below on the, the bullpen. And I was kicking myself and actually felt bad about it for like two years that I wasn't paying attention and missed it. And I brought it up to him one time and he said, uh, no offense, you wouldn't have come close to that even if you tried. And that made me feel better. So some, some fun father, uh, father-son memories for sure. Uh, Riley, do you have a, a father-son sporting memory with your dad? Oh, I have lots. Me and my dad have had uh, rider season tickets since I was probably six or seven years old. Um I, I got to say, I think it was 2007 when the Riders won the Grey Cup for the first time in my lifetime. Uh, me and my dad went to the airport after they came back from, I can't remember which, if it was the West Semi or the West Final. And uh, we went to the airport and met the team at like 3 in the morning when they got back or 2 in the morning. And just like the crowd there and what was going on there was just unbelievable. And then my dad drove me down uh, the Green Mile in 2007 after they won the Grey Cup. So uh, those are probably the top two for me. I mean, I've won, he's been my coach in football. I've won a couple city championships with him, so that's special as well. But uh, I think 07 Durr's uh, Grey Cup run was my favorite with him. Very cool. Nice. I like that. And we got some, some very good ones coming in on the text line, 960-960. Uh, your favorite father-son memory uh sporting memory with your dad uh for a chance to win a 12 pack of wild rose uh beer and a 50 dollars gift card to the tap room we'll get to some of those texts uh coming up in just a little bit here yes uh awesome question logo that's a, a great call by you uh i i'm giving you a lot of praise i don't know if we're going to continue with the praise for this mm. next segment as we continue on with nhl awards it is the nhl first and second team all-star teams so how we're doing this it's pretty simple best player at each position gets the first team and it's center right wing left wing two defense and a goalie again pretty straightforward and then second team is the same thing so i i will kick this off um my first team my center should be pretty obvious i picked him to win the heart so i should have him as uh, first-team center. So I'm, I'm going Nathan McKinnon down the middle with David Pashnak on the right, Artemi Panarin on the left. My two defensemen are my two Norris candidates with Roman Yossi and John Carlson. And I suggested Connor Hellebuck for the heart. I should have him on my first-team All-NHL. Uh, so that that's my squad. McKinnon, Pashnak, Panarin, Yossi, Carlson, Hellebuck. Yes, uh, hard to argue with any of, of those ones for sure. 
Uh, the only place that will differ on our, our start, and we'll see if Riley differs on his list too, is I have Dreisaitl at number one for me uh, as a, a center uh, in this list here with uh, leading the league in points, uh, 110 on the season, finishing 13 ahead of his teammate Connor McDavid. Uh, we did stay the same though obviously my heart trophy candidate was Artemi Panarin, so he was the obvious choice at left wing. Uh, David Pasternak, who, I mean, quietly, we didn't get into him, uh, talking to him about the heart trophy race, but he ties Alex Ovechkin for most goals this season uh, and almost had a 50-50 split uh, in points when the season was all done. Probably would have reached a little higher than that. 48 goals, 47 assists for 97 points uh, for the Bruins winger, so hard to go wrong with that one. And I think you, you made the, the pretty obvious choices. I think the second team is probably where things will get a little more interesting for us. But uh, mm -hmm. John Carlson was so dominant for Washington through most of the season. Uh, and Roman Yossi pretty much right the the easy number two candidate behind him. Uh, and I also had Connor Hellebuck in net. Riley, do you differ on any of those? Uh, I got past the Panarin and the defenseman all the same. Uh I put Dreisaitl on the first team. I think he was the best player in the league, in my opinion, this year. And uh, I have Tuka Rask as my number one goaltender. But uh, okay, but other defend than that, the the Rask pick for me a bit. Yeah. Well, I just think I just think Tuka Rask was unbelievable this season. I mean, his save percentage is disgusting. He was right up there in wins as well. I mean, 26 wins in 41 games played. I know he split time with uh, Halak, which is kind of probably an issue for most people. In the top 10, he had the least amount of games played. But that 929 save percentage is gross. 212 goals against average is the lowest out of all the top 10 players and five shutouts to go along with it. So he didn't need that many games. Yes, he might have been rested, but uh, his numbers just uh, don't lie for me. That's fair. And I think as we continue on with these awards discussions, not just this year, but beyond, I think we're going to have to get over the, oh, well, he split time with whoever in goal. That's going to happen for forever now. The the Cam Talbot playing 70-whatever games with the Oilers, that's going to be more the outlier. So I think, I think we're going to have to lower our expectations for games played for a goalie when we talk about goalie awards. I don't know how much I, I fall into that category yet, Klein, because I think that I think for the majority of NHL teams that's probably the case. But I, I honestly think the elite teams in most cases generally have a, a pretty solid number one. And look, I think if Tuka Rask was probably a few years younger, he's not splitting as many games with uh, Yaro Halak. They're more confident giving him like a 60-65 game load going into the playoffs but they know he's a little bit older and they're probably looking to rest him up you know in a regular season uh to to go into the playoffs because i mean you still see guys like i mean vasileski hellebuck binnington freddie anderson Carey price those are all true number ones who you could easily say carried the load for their team games played wise i think there's a smaller number of those guys but i still think that they're they're there Okay, I, uh... Oh, go ahead, Brad. And what would we say the most... Was it like 70 to 72? Is that how many games most teams played before this all happened? 
In yeah. the, like, 68 to 70 range. Yeah. yeah, okay. So Hellebuck and Price played the most games at 58 apiece. So we can probably safely okay. say they'd have been about 65 if we would have played a full season-ish. Yeah, mm. fair. Yeah, I just, I think we're going to be seeing more and more goalies going into to these tandems. But no, yeah, that's that, that's fair. That's still some of the elite ones are, are still going to be kind of more solo acts for sure. Yeah, and I, I don't disagree. I like you. I think you're absolutely right that in in most scenarios, I think especially as it's harder to find a true number one, I think that that duos are probably the the more common thing nowadays than a true number one, anyways. So now we're going to get to where the I, I think a lot of the debate is going to be because beyond this one, people start to get let uh, people start to get left off the list. Uh, so I, I will go first again. I had Leon Dreisaitl on my, my second team. Again, he was absolutely tremendous this season. And, and saying he was the second best player in the league continues to not be an insult, despite how it's taken by some people up north. Although that does mean uh, no Connor McDavid on this list, which is something that I, I absolutely battled with. My wingers, uh, Kucherov and Ovechkin. My defensemen, Victor Hedman and Petrangelo. And then I went to Karask as the, uh, the the second team goalie. Again, he was tremendous all season long. But I, uh, again, aside from McDavid, there were quite a few defensemen had pretty good seasons too. But um, the, the McDavid dry subtle one, just not having McDavid on here felt very, very off to me. Yeah, McDavid is, is always going to be one of those ones where you know i don't think he's going to be overshadowed many years but i mean even you know just this year missing a handful of games uh the way leon dreisaitl was going shifted the focus entirely and i mean look the fact of the matter is the oilers were having uh one of the better seasons that they've had in the last few years so i don't think that there was as much focus as uh of connor you know being the lone bright spot on a a down a down year uh, for the team you know which we've kind of had to focus on the last few years is i think it's it's impressive to do what he did on a good team but to do it on a on a bad team i think certainly gave him some of that that spotlight in the last few years and you're right it does feel weird leaving him off of the the all-star teams but he's not on my list either and right I, yeah and it's go ahead Riley. i also Sorry. think like you can have um, mckinnon as the your number one heart contender, but still have Dry as the number one NHL center when it comes to the all-star team, because there's a difference between being most valuable to your team and being the best mm -hmm. player in the NHL, right? Dreisaitl has McDavid, so he's always going to have someone that if he's having a bad night, chances are McDavid's probably not having a bad night. The chances of both of them having a bad night at the same time are pretty small, whereas McKinnon had so many injuries with his team this year and still played to the level that he did. So I think he is the Hart Memorial Trophy winner, but I do think that Dreisaitl was the best center. Yeah, okay. and I, Riley, you make a very, very good point in this this exercise that, you know, even though we, we have talked about the Hart and we got into that discussion and we varied uh, in different ways from this, an, an all-star team one and two is a very different definition than picking uh, a most valuable player and however you want to define each award as well. 
So uh, pretty clearly some disagreement with uh, my second team as Leon Dreisler was on both of your first teams. So there's going to be at least a bit of a disagreement. Uh, but uh, aside from Dreisler, any changes that you would make logo for your second team? Uh, yeah, Nathan McKinnon is my obvious choice at, at second uh, team center. Uh, 69 games, 93 points. He's just continuing to be one of the best uh, players in the league. And uh, Riley, I thought, brought up a good point that, um, you know, he dealt with a lot of injuries on his team and continued to be the, the driving force there without really missing a step. Uh, Brad Marchand is my uh, second le uh, team left winger. Uh, 87 points in 70 games for the uh, winger who I I've struggled with a lot in my uh you know, covering sports and hockey. I, I used to have a, a bad distaste for, for Brad Marchand and his antics and that sort of stuff. And uh, I think he's found a really nice niche to, uh, you know, being an elite level offensive producer on a, you know, top team in the East with the Bruins and kind of toning down the, the silliness. If I'm, I'm being polite about it, that stuff really used to bother me from him. And, uh, look, putting up close to it, if we were playing a full season, would have been a 90-plus point season for him. Uh, gives that uh, my nod at the left-wing position. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but right-wing was, was a little bit uh, more of an issue for me. It was a little more difficult. Uh, Nikita Kucherov did get it for me, but Patrick Kane was uh, a very close yeah. runner-up uh, in that one. Uh, just because I think we, after the year Kucherov had last year, was... Pretty impressive, uh, and then rounding out my uh, defense on there, I went with Victor Hedman, and uh, Quinn Hughes makes my second all-star team. Wow. My goaltender is Andre Vasileski. So no Tuka Rask on there at all, then? No. Okay. Um, that that will... Uh, obviously, Riley had him on his first team. I had him on my second team. Why the, the pick of Vasilevsky over uh, Tuka Rask? Uh, I, I think Vasilevsky has just shown to be a, a true number one there. Uh, and when you look, the biggest factor for me, and I tried to leave the team out of it as much as I could. When you lead the league in wins as a goaltender and we're talking about, uh, you know, an all-star team, he, you know, he's four ahead of Connor Hellebuck, who I had on my first all-star team, just in wins. And his numbers... While not as you know high up as Rask's, he got into 11 more games than Rask, and they're still very good NHL numbers at a 9.17 and a 2.56. So the NHL's leader in in goaltending wins uh, got the nod for me at second team All Star. Okay, uh, so Riley, we have a, a couple differing views here for our second teams. Where did you go? Yeah, I uh, I have Kucherov on the right wing, McKinnon at center, but. Uh... I went with uh, Alex Ovechkin as my second team left wing all star. I mean, it's it's tough to score fifty goals in the NHL, and he was well on his way to doing so before this all stopped. And at his age, forty eight goals tied for the league lead again. I just, I just don't see much many more valuable players than Ovechkin when the name of the game is putting the puck in the net, and he's done it so consistently. He did it again this year, so he's my second team left winger. Um, on D, I went with Victor Hedman and Alex Petrangelo. I, uh, I thought he had a really good season this year. Um, they moved some players around there, and he continued to be a beast. So uh, 
Petrangelo, I thought, deserved to be on the second team. I mean, you could Hughes is a great pick as well. Kale McCarr could have been up there. Tori Krug, like, there's so many options that were right there. But uh, Petrangelo with 16 goals. I believe that was tied for the league lead in defenseman with uh, Roman Yossi. So uh, he gets my nod on the back end. And then I had Hellebuck as my uh, second goaltender. Okay, so some some agreements, some disagreements for sure. But I I did I found this inner uh, the, this exercise I guess kind of interesting because like Walker said yesterday, talking about like top ten guys, which this isn't uh, a straight shot of that. You are picking twelve, but it's not the top twelve because of position eligibility and things of that nature. But there's a lot of oh, of course that guy would make the first or second, and then oh wait, we can only pick two. That's how first and second team works. There was a lot of guys. McDavid was especially one and like not having Jack Eichel in a season where he was an absolute breakout star. It just like, it felt a little, huh, I kind of wish I could have those guys on there, but there's no way I'm taking either of them over McKinnon or Dreisaitl. So it's, it's tricky when you're talking about the top of the top. Yeah. You, you have to kind of differentiate how you're, you're looking at guys and what kind of factors go into it, especially for, when you're talking about an all-star team, there's kind of a looser criteria for, you know, everybody when they're picking, even for just the three of us, the criteria that we went off of is different. And it's certainly less defined than one of the traditional awards. So I feel like you can kind of, and I think sometimes you see it, you can see differentiating, uh, differential points of view and what guys value in certain things when you, you dive into an all-star team and kind of what guys like to see. And that's, you know, probably why we all wind up with, you know, slightly different teams uh, all around here. I'll, I'll be honest. I thought there would be more Oiler people upset just because we've been getting Oiler hate all week. And really, for the last 10 years I've worked here. Uh, but uh, the, the only text about it coming in at 960-960, Dreisaitl was the better offensive player, but how was he the best all-around player if he gave up more defensively than he produced offensively? Um, and that, that was that was what worked into to my decision, the, the high danger chances when you, you compare the two. It's one of the reasons why I gave McKinnon the, the heart, and it's another reason why I gave him the nod in this one. And again, anytime you make an argument against someone, it feels like you're just like absolutely dumping on the player. Dreisaitl had... A phenomenal season. I don't want to take anything away. I think he is an excellent player. Um, it, it's just I thought Nathan McKinnon was unbelievable this year. But yeah, any any final thoughts on on this, guys? The only thing I would say is is I think plus minus is an antiquated stat as far as things go like that. But it, I mean, there is something to be said about scoring 110 points on the season and still finding yourself. Uh, on a negative seven, that's something that isn't necessarily the whole story, but it's probably part of the story. Yeah, that's that's a tough play. And at the same time, he had 28 power play points too, right? Those don't count towards the plus minus. So he was <clears> on the ice more for more goals than he for than he was for goals against. But still, to be a minus seven with 110 points, that, yeah. that is true. That's tough to do. But, uh, you know... They don't have the greatest decor there, <laughs> so no. uh, it's uh, it's a little on him, little on others, I think. Yeah, and plus minus is so you know differential. If you're on the you know a little late on your change and something you have to get scored on, you're not even in the play. You get a minus for that shift, or you're just coming on to a shift and you get scored on. 
you get the minus. The guy changing for you does. You know what I mean? There, there's so many different ways. It's not a perfect stat. It's I think it's a part of the story. Certainly not the entire one by any means. So uh, once again, Logo, I have to hand it to you as your question got a lot of response on the fan feedback line at nine six zero nine six zero. We got a ton of these to go through. Yes, uh, our final giveaway for the afternoon. Uh, if you haven't been listening, Wild Rose uh, are great partners and have done a lot with the station. Uh, the morning show today had a bunch with Will and Pinder to give away. Me and Klein have been giving them away all afternoon. Uh, our final one was a 12-pack of beer from Wild Rose and a $50 gift card to the tap room. I got the honor of the last question. I made it very Father's Day themed, picking your favorite sporting memory that you have with your dad uh we've been doing the all-star list here and we got so many uh texts i haven't had a chance to go through them all and pick a winner yet so uh i think i'll need probably pete and riley to give me a hand on this looking through them because you guys sent in so many uh which is great that's exactly what i wanted i love seeing all the the response but uh we've got some good ones here any stick out to you guys that you see that you want to uh share from our fan 960 text line uh, I do appreciate uh, a couple. Uh, the one saying my dad taking me to a Calgary Cannons game. Can't remember much about the game itself, but I did manage to kick my brother's hot dog multiple rows away from us. Uh, anytime you can get a Calgary Cannons reference on there, I do appreciate it. Uh, someone saying best father's sports memory going to Calgary 88 basketball games. I appreciate that. And uh, someone talking about watching WWF in the 1980s at Northlands Coliseum with Hulk Hogan against Sergeant Slaughter. That one's always going to tug at my heartstrings. So those were some of the ones that stood out for me. Riles, any on there that you like? I don't know if there was any Ryder ones. No, but... no, no Sask ones. But, uh, <laughs> oh, man, there is a lot of good ones. I mean... The one guy talking about when he was eight going back to New Zealand to watch his dad rodeo across New Zealand for Christmas vacation. That's pretty cool. Not really uh, mm-hmm. not really an experience many people get. WrestleMania three with his dad, Macho Man versus Steamboat. I mean, the old school ones definitely get me or like the traveling ones for sure. But uh, there, we have a yeah. lot to discuss over this break. Yes, yeah, I think that's going to be the way to do this. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll we'll go through these during the commercial break. Um, when we come back, we'll announce the winner again. What you get in this is a $50 gift card to the Wild Rose Tap Room plus a 12-pack of Wild Rose to enjoy for your Father's Day. So we'll make our final selection next, plus Shida Vidi on what was a very tough day news-wise in Major League Baseball. They've had enough trouble figuring out how they're going to have a return with the players and owners not being able to see eye-to-eye And then COVID reminded us that it's the reason why everything is shut down this season anyway. So a lot to get to as we put a bow on Pinner and Steinberg next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Different spots, staying at home, but still talking on the radio. It's a miracle. Pinner and Steinberg is only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Well, I can safely say that's the most work I've put in during a commercial break of this show in a long time. Welcome back to Pinder and Steinberg, the Peter Klein, Logan Gordon, and Riley Pollock edition here on Sportsnet 960. The fan gentlemen, we spent the entire break rummaging through the text line, trying to find a story that stood out amongst a number of tremendous stories. Let's give away our final 12-pack of Wild Roads. Our final 
$50 gift card to the tap room. And I do believe, Logan, we have come across the winner. We have. We had to go through a lot of them. Um, and honestly, thank you everybody for texting in because uh, you guys shared some really cool memories, whether they were here in Calgary or uh, stories about you guys traveling to see your favorite players or traveling to see your favorite team. Uh, a lot of them were really heartwarming, and it was nice to, to share some memories. And then all three of us, me, myself, uh, or excuse me, myself, Riley, and Peter, had a really good time uh, reading through some of your stories. But our winner uh, is Tim. Uh, Tim telling us the story that he watched his dad play first base at the old Buffalo Stadium in downtown Calgary the year before it was torn down. He was and still is my favorite ball player ever. I was eight years old at the time. Uh, I think we all kind of have a memory like that of our dad, whether it's sports or not, and uh, a lot of guys uh, sharing some of those memories. And look, we had... Like, literally, we don't usually have to go through the text line this long to find an answer to one. There were so many awesome stories through here, guys. Yeah, this was a lot of fun to go through and read uh, some of these. Whether it was heartwarming, whether it was hilarious, um, there was a, a lot of really fun stories shared. So that was uh, that was a blast to go through, for sure. Yes, uh, we talked about, uh, there was one... Uh, uh, you two being Saskatchewan boys, you talked about Jay's story about his first rider game at the old Taylor Field. Uh, cold in the trough urinals, terrible teams at the time. Uh, we talked about uh, Adam Hockey in the 80s. Uh, my dad, the coach, used to chain smoke cigarettes on the bench during games. Uh, lots of memories of watching Hockey Night in Canada with your dad. Uh, there was stories about uh, your first Flames game, lots of that sort of stuff. Uh, so thank you so much, not only to Wild Rose, but to you guys on the text line uh, for sharing some of your stories this afternoon. It was uh, a really awesome response uh, to those questions. Yes, so again, congratulations to Tim. You are uh, the winner. Our promotions team will be in contact with you um, as uh, probably pretty quickly here, actually, as we want to get you that in time for Father's Day. Gentlemen, we are approaching the weekend. A few more sports back. Do we have any big sporting plans or any plans at all uh, for the weekend? Riley? I have a plan tonight. Is oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I have yep. my very first slow-pitch league game of the season, Woo! and I'm fired up for it. It's basically all I live for in the summer, so not having played since oh last August. It's been a battle for me. Got new cleats, been working them in for like two weeks, and uh, now they, they get their time to shine tonight. Yeah, Riley is, stuff. Riley is sneaky good at slow pitch. You wouldn't expect it because he doesn't look like he could accomplish anything in his life, Fair. but Riley like just, just unbelievable. <laughs> Klein from the, the top rope just annihilating our producer this afternoon. Uh, Riley, I have more faith in you than than Peter Klein does to accomplish something. Well, but uh, well, Klein has Klein has seen it live. He's seen the All Star uh, live. So yeah, I again, yeah, I, that that was a compliment. He fantastic. I guess everything else was just setting the bar so low that your softball skills are just so far above everything else, eh? Exactly. That's the basic. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, no major plans for me this weekend. We'll try to spend some time with the old man and uh, figure out a dinner or something for him and uh, see what uh, terrible, hopefully positive sports news comes out of the weekend. But uh, nothing set in stone during uh, this weekend for me. 
Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same. Just seeing what uh, seeing what news pops out, kind of mentally preparing for when sports is coming back. A few months, I'll probably catch the golf as uh, as it goes on throughout the weekend. Maybe a couple more soccer games. Watched uh, Man United and Tottenham play to a one-one draw while the show was going on today. I mean, I was completely focused the whole time. What are you talking about? Mm, but yeah. Uh, yeah, we have uh, that. It's I think it's going to be. As we work more and more with the Belmont Stakes coming out as well, we have more and more sports to get ready for. Once our show is done today, it is time for the Friday edition of In Conversation with Ron McLean, joined by Pan Am Golden Medalist Wanik Horn-Miller, as well as City News Managing Assignments Editor Nicole McCormick. They discuss the fight for recognition and respect of Indigenous people and standing strong for what is right. So that is coming up at the top of the hour. Before we get to that, though, uh, rough baseball day in terms of the news as the Blue Jays have a player with COVID-19 symptoms. They have tested personnel who are in Dunedin. This comes on the heels of the Philadelphia Phillies having to shut down things in Clearwater, Florida, with five positive tests there. Uh, it was a tough day for Major League Baseball. We broke it all down here with Shida. Shai, since I texted you yesterday to ask you to come on, uh, the, the lead story and the lead question for this interview has changed about six times. Uh, how, how are you today, sir? Yeah, it's, been, uh, it's been interesting, right? It's uh, just when you think uh, one issue is, uh, is getting resolved, up pops, uh, up coronavirus is here to tell you that don't forget about me. Right. Yeah. It's uh, coronavirus has kind of lingered in the background for a little bit, but they're they're putting the blitz on today for sure. Um, and apparently potentially affecting the Toronto Blue Jays with Jeff Passan reporting that the Jays are, are shutting down camp because a pitcher on the 40 man roster uh, experiencing some COVID-19 symptoms. That news coming down not too long ago. What, what's the, the latest that we have on this? Yeah, that, I mean, that is uh, the belief right now. The I think the Blue Jays are being particularly cautious. They're not 100% certain that uh, all the symptoms do match coronavirus, but because of what happened with the Phillies, there's uh, extra uh, extra caution being taken here, and they're going to proceed with, uh, with other testing if that uh, shows itself to be necessary. So uh, I think, to, you know, you, you take another step back and you look at there was an outbreak with uh, – with the Tampa Bay Lightning as well, and you know the Pirates in nearby Brightonton had a few issues. Um, you know, and in general, uh, coronavirus is is pretend, I mean, depending on, on your outlook, you know, increasing cases are increasing sharply, perhaps even out of control in Florida right now. You know, this is uh, this is going to be an issue because uh, you know the the NBA is planning to use, uh, you know, Lake Buena Vista outside of Orlando as its hub, one of its, its hub city. Um, you know, several baseball teams would be based there for either spring training or for potentially for a season in, case, in the case of the Blue Jays, uh, as well as the, the local Rays and Marlins. Um, this is, this is trouble. And uh, I think the, the, it's easy to, to say, um, you know, we've got all the protocols in place. We're going to take care of everybody. If the people in the, the population around you is completely indifferent to the, the health precautions that we all need to be taking right now, you know, the, the, the element of randomness and, you know, your chances of just having that wrong encounter are sky high. And I think that this is what that's showing us. Uh, how many players hung around in the, the Dunedin area or down there right now? Like, were there a lot of Blue Jays in that spot as of right now anyway? 
believe there it's in the area of about 10 who are uh, using the facility regularly, or about 20, sorry, about 20, 10 of them on the 40-man roster. A handful okay. have stayed in the area. A handful have returned. And, uh, you know, I think that everybody's starting to realize, hey, the season could be close. They want to get back. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. returned from the Dominican Republic. Uh, so there's a, there's a decent group that's there. Uh, but, you know, for the Blue Jays, this is particularly complicated because if Florida does turn into or continues to be the epicenter of the, of the outbreak, you know, the, that was going to be their backup plan if they can't play in Toronto. And, you know, the, they're, they're doing some work on that front. The, there's a, so a bit more optimism that they might be able to work, uh, work out something there. Uh, team president and CEO Mark Shapiro this week was registered on the national uh, lo- lobbyist list um, because he's uh, been trying to work with health officials and, uh, and immigration officials on finding a way to make baseball possible in Toronto. Uh, but, you know, if that's not possible and Florida becomes uh, an issue, you know, now you've lost your backup plan. Uh, and that, that's a big, big issue. Yeah, that, that was going to be my next question. You, you had the story last night about the Jays planning for either Toronto or Dunedin. Uh, is, is there a, a third choice? Because Canada might not be an option and Florida is one of the last places on the planet I would want to be right now. Right. Well, I mean, they've done... Right now, all their work is on those two locations, right? They, they upgraded the lighting at the stadium so that it'll be major league quality so they can get, uh, you know, they can do night games there. You know, that, that's not a step you take if you're planning to go somewhere else. Uh, you know, I don't think, you know, Buffalo has been raised as a possibility. It's where the Blue Jays AAA club is, but the Bisons aren't positioned and don't have, not, nothing's being done at Salem Field right now to prepare it. Uh, and, and there's been no sort of even rough planning of, of how you might make that work there. So, you know, that that's an issue. And there, there really isn't uh, another alternative that they've invested a lot of time in. And, you know, I think, you know, Major League Baseball had sought potential or at least discussed the potential of neutral sites all along because they knew that that might be possible, might be needed for other teams. Uh, and this may be something that the Blue Jays may have to suddenly shift to uh, if Florida doesn't get things out of control in the near future. We know there are a number of hurdles for Major League Baseball and the Players Association to clear before the the season gets back up and running. But th- this was this was a lot of news all at once today regarding the the health and safety of the players. How much of a factor do you think this, and it's, it's weird to be talking about it because people are getting sick and this is a serious issue, but from a return to baseball plan, how much of an effect does something like today have? You know, it's funny. It's, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I was, and I'd mentioned this to a few people in recent days that as much as the players keep pushing for more games, longer schedule, To to give the season validity and all those things, there's been a part of me that all along has said, you know what, just get a short number, get it done, get it in, and you know regroup for 2021 when hopefully there's a vaccine or reliable antiviral. You know, this has been, uh, you know, we all took for granted that the virus was going to go away and that this was going to be possible, or at least the virus would be at bay until the second wave comes with the winter, and. You know, as much as, you know, we've said that, you know, parts of the United States, they've never even gotten rid of the first wave, right? You know, Florida mm-hmm. has been on team hoax for a lot of this. 
you know, uh, people are going to restaurants. And, you know, I, I know I've been talking to people who are in Florida and they're just appalled that like everywhere is always busy. It's like there's no no masks, no sign of precaution. And look, that's that's anecdotal as opposed to, uh, you know, analytical. But you know, that that certainly would jive with the infection numbers that you're seeing. So uh, I, I think that's been that's been really an, an underthought of and underconsidered part of this. And, you know, this is a, a bit of a reckoning on that front. Chatting with Shada Vidi, our MLB insider with Sportsnet here on Pinder and Steinberg. I'm Peter Klein. He's Logan Gordon. Uh, Shai, I'm just curious if you know of or if there's been any talks from the MLB with its teams about an overarching plan for any sort of hub city or plan that would reduce travel for teams uh, should they come to terms for a, a full return to play this season? I know they're talking, you know, about a pretty shortened season as it is. Do you know if they've they've had those discussions with teams where the MLB might kind of take control of of where you're going to play and and you know, try to reduce travel? Any plans like that that you're aware of? Well, the initial concept that was floated was uh, for three hub cities, and this is ironic, is that. You know, they, they were going to have one hub in Florida, one hub in Texas, one hub in Arizona, and all three states are, are <laughs> increasing right now. So, like, three months ago, you'd be like, okay, yeah, it makes sense. You play there. It's a little bit safer. And right now you're like, hey, get me to New York. Get me to Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's, uh, it goes to show that, you know, if you're not – if you don't, if you as a population don't have the proper measures in place, I mean, your plan ultimately doesn't matter. Right, because yeah. you cannot completely isolate. Like even if even the NBA's plan in their bubble, you know, there's still going to be people coming in and out who are going to be delivering supplies and uh, doing work and just working at the hotels and working at the stadiums. Like you cannot hermetically seal everybody. So you need a respect for the for the virus within your population, and they're just in parts of the United States, there just isn't one. I mean, it's been from their leadership on down all along. Uh, they wanted to bury their heads in the sand and say, this isn't our problem. This isn't real. We're not letting this get in the way of us making money. And everybody else is crushing their curves in the United States. They're not. And, you know, that's an issue. Like, you look at where, where games are being played. Japan, they've, they've wrestled their numbers down. Like, Korea, I mean, they've been super efficient on theirs. Same with Taiwan. Uh, and they are, they all they're all playing baseball. Germany got things under control. They're playing soccer there now. Like this, you know, the the environment that it, there's one degree. It's like yes, there's the environment that you as a sports league create, but ultimately, if you're an environment an environment where people just don't care or aren't being careful and aren't being cautious, I mean, you just don't have a chance ultimately. I'm I'm, I'm curious on a on a probably a bigger picture than today's news you know painted if we're able to see the the players union and the mlb come to terms on what a season would look like and and how much the players would actually get paid how confident are you that they could actually work out the details in a civilized manner between the two because we've seen especially in the nba 
even, you know, the hub and the bubbles and all that sort of things, who can come in and who can come out testing, all that sort of stuff, is still another contentious issue. So if they get over one hurdle of, you know, the basics of return to play, do you have any confidence they'll be able to figure the rest of the stuff out? Because it's clearly going to be a big issue here. Sure. I mean, I think there'll be, they'll definitely be back and forth on that, but ultimately, uh, you know, to a certain degree, you know, this is, it's on, it's up to the health officials too, right? Like mm-hmm. you've got to get this approved and you've got to get the government to, to support you and to allow these things to happen. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's a problem, but I, I think once you cross that hurdle, uh, I don't, I don't, once you cross the financial hurdle, the economic hurdle, uh, I don't think that this is what's going to submarine a season. And last one from, from me, Shy. The, uh, the Blue Jays got uh, some actual baseball work done, uh, signing a couple of their draft picks, their second rounder pick, CJ Van Eyken, third rounder Trent Palmer on overslot deals. They still have their first rounder, Austin Martin, to get signed, and fourth rounder, Nick Frasso. Uh, obviously, the Jays probably pretty happy that, that Martin fell to them. But uh, it's always interesting when Scott Boris is the agent of a player you're trying to negotiate with. Uh, any worry or trepidation going into this contract deal with, with Martin and Boris? I mean, I wouldn't think so. You know, the Blue Jays would have known what the expectation was for Martin to sign before they picked him. And, you know, he doesn't have that many options. Like, you went fifth overall in the draft. Like, are you really going to go re-enter the draft, go back to school, re-enter the draft the next year, take chances that you suffer an injury or something along the lines and hurt your stock with the aims of maybe squeezing out, you know, another 500K or something like that? I just – the upside is relatively limited. So uh, the Blue Jays have created some room in their bonus pool. Uh, they still can create a bit more with Frasso depending on how that goes. So I think ultimately they'll get there. They just have to he, – he, he just needs to be the last one to, to see how much money is remaining. And, you know, at that point, it's a decision. You know, you're taking, you know, uh, in excess of, you know, six to, six to six and a half, something around those lines, a million dollars. Uh, are you going to walk – are you really going to walk away from that in the hopes of getting seven? So uh, I think ultimately uh, it, it this gets done and – you know, even even with Scott Boris driving the bus, it's just there's just no upside to not signing for him. A couple more with Shadavidi, our MLB insider. Um, earlier this week, which seems like about a month ago now, the, the Players Association and owners exchanged offers. Uh, a couple weeks ago when we had you on, you expressed optimism that these guys would eventually get things figured out. Uh, does that optimism remain? Sure. I mean... I know that there's still more saber rattling, still more brinkmanship taking place, and it's as distasteful as it is at this point. You know, they're they're so close that nobody's blowing up the season because of that. Now, does COVID nineteen change that? I mean, that would be fascinating, but uh, it would certainly bolster the the owners' argument towards a shorter season as opposed to uh, as opposed to a longer one. But you know, the the fundamental change occurred this week when you know rob manfred and tony clark met in arizona and essentially major league baseball said okay we're going to come off this percentage of 
money owed structure that we're trying to, that we're trying to push, and we're going to accept prorated pay. And once that happened, they were on the same street. And now it's just a tug of war on the numbers, uh, and that's a lot more simple to resolve than what they were in before. One of the things that w- was brought up with this whole thing was that, okay, look, we get we're, we're, there's going to be a loss of revenue, so ads on the jerseys. And that gets a, a certain reaction from a certain subset of people saying that you can't mess with the sanctity of the jersey. Although, having watched the Blue Jays all my life, I think they've probably done that with a few of their choices anyway. Uh, but what do you make of, of uh, advertisements on jerseys? So you're, you're not on uh, Angry Angry Bird uh, black jersey uh, that team. You're not not a supporter of that shirt. Uh, uh, not so much. Yeah. No, the the great was the worst. Yeah, that was uh, the the Angry T, and uh, uh, and then there are some bad ones for sure. Yeah. Um, like you know, I I know people get riled up about it. It's not going to impact my enjoyment of the game or really impact me in any sort of meaningful way. I don't think that the players ultimately really matter to them. And I think that after a couple of weeks, everybody will get used to it and won't be a thing anymore. But, you know, I think at this point, fans should just be saying, Hey, whatever gets you money, that's not coming directly out of my pocketbook uh, and gets guys back on the field. I'm good with this. So uh, I just, I can't see uh, for, at least for me personally, um, it does nothing for me one way or the other. Uh, But if it helps move the needle in CBA talks, uh, all the better. Uh, Shy, awesome stuff, man. I know you're very busy with everything that's going on. Uh, so, so thanks for taking some time today, and just hope to God you got games to write about soon. Yeah, I think uh, we're, we've, we're all done with uh, non-baseball stories for a while, but uh, you know, I think that once we're done writing about labor, we'll probably end up writing about coronavirus a lot. So, fingers crossed that uh, everybody's healthy first, and we can get uh, back to sports second. Yeah, I mean, after today, I'll, I'll, I'll take some labor disputes for another week after uh, what we had to deal with today. Uh, Shai, awesome stuff, man. Thanks again. Be well, guys. So that was Shai Davidi. Again, uh, quite the quite the day for Major League Baseball. And Shai joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Shy was on the Atlas Pizza guest line today, as was Dylan Holloway. Check out those sportsnet.ca slash 960. That's going to do it for the show today. Again, in conversation with Ron McLean featuring Pan Am gold medalist Wanique Horn-Miller. An interesting conversation coming up next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.